Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on October 21st, 2018. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. I'm also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He is the editor at Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I am a little bit stuffy, and I <laughs> ran out of coffee, but other than that, I am good to go. Oh, no. Stuffy with no coffee? I know. Usually the caffeine will kind of, like, you know, help the, the, the nasal passages, like, shrink down. The caffeine is a good, like, vasoconstrictor, so that's really good, but uh, we're going to power through. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. All right, if you have to, I don't know, eject or if you pass out during the podcast, please <laughs> please send me a warning by text. <laughs> I, I will text you as my body is falling to the floor. Also, if you hear this giant loud honking, don't worry, that is just me blowing my nose. Okay, all right, all right. If you pass out, we'll just have, can you just flag Gina and she can take over for you for the rest of the show? I think Witty's going to be first in line. He will beat her to the punch. But hey, one member of my family will take over. You won't even notice I'm gone. Oh, perfect. What a bunch of team players. That's right. That's what family's for, yo. All right. Well, uh, do you have any housekeeping notes or anything before we start games chat? I don't think so. I think we're ready to roll. How about you, sir? Uh, I don't think I have anything either. We can roll right into games chat. Um, Brad, I know you've got a lot on your plate this week. I have a few things to talk about. Uh, but I'll let you go first. Uh, what do you want to discuss first this week? Well, I'm doing another one of my Brad classics this week where I have a bunch of stuff to talk about. One thing that's more su substantial and then a bunch where I kind of just like bounced from game to game to game. Um, kind of just getting the word out on some of these, and just really doing some brief discussion. So if it's OK with you, I'm going to do the, uh, the old scattershot approach again. By all means, take it away. Okay, so first off, I, I got to be honest with you, dude. I know I'm getting on in years, and I know my memory's not what it used to be, but did we ever talk about light fingers in the show? I could not remember if we did or not. I don't think we did, because I would have remembered a title like that. It's a weird it's a weird name. So this is a game on Nintendo Switch. It's called Light Fingers, and I will do my best to remember to say the name of the game after I get into talking about it. But it's So this is a game that got a lot of attention um, at the Nindies, the Nintendo Indies booth at PAX last year. Uh, they also had a strong showing at PAX this year, PAX being the Penny Arcade Expo, which is the game show that happens here in Seattle. Sorry if anybody didn't know what that was. But um, it's on the Switch. It has a very cool look to it. And that's really what caught my attention. I wasn't really even sure what kind of game it was, but I saw it, and I'm like, wow, that looks amazing. So basically... Uh, you take a couple of cartoon characters and you walk around the world. It kind of looks like a board game a little bit. And what happens is you roll some dice. As you move forward in the world, pieces of the world move and rotate like they are made out of like clockwork. So like you might be standing in a field, you roll some dice, something happens, and then part of the world will like the ground will lift up and flip. And on the underside of the ground, there's like a house. And so the house will like rise up and there's these little gears and clockwork pieces. And then the house will come back down. And I'm like, oh, my God, that looks amazing. It looks so cute and cool and fun. I don't even know what this game is, but that looks awesome. <laughs> so I watched it for a while. It was really kind of hard to tell what was going on. Like I couldn't, you know, some games you look at it really quickly and you're like, oh, that's obviously a puzzle platformer. Oh, this is obviously a roguelike or something. But like I could not figure out what kind of game this was. So that was also kind of interesting. 
it's got like fantasy characters. One character you control is like a mouse. One's a cockroach. One is a human. Colorful, bright, and just the clockwork environment was just like gripping. Like it just really just I I was so fascinated by it. So I reached out to the developer and I'm like, hey, I, I hear your game's coming out. I don't know anything about it, but I'd like to check it out. And so they, they were nice enough to send me a code, which was great. Um, unfortunately, I did not realize that this game is kind of like a multiplayer party game, which is 100% not my jam at oh, all. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't realize that's what it was. And I even asked them beforehand. I'm like, so is there a single player mode in this? And they're like, yes, there is a single player mode. And I'm like, okay, cool. But what they didn't really explain is that this is definitely a multiplayer party game. I believe it's local co-op only. I could be mistaken. But basically, you play as thieves who are kind of like in a board game world. And you play with friends to compete to see who can get the most money. And then there are these little challenges that pop up. And so, you know, you're trying to either get the money for yourself or you're trying to stop your friends from getting the money by doing all these sorts of various things. Um, but I couldn't play that mode because I don't have any friends that would play the game with me. And I was not, uh, I didn't have anybody around. I mean, I'm sure my wife would have played it with me, but I, you know, I was at work or she was asleep or we were just like, you know, it, it's tough to arrange multiplayer for that. So I'm like, well, he said there was a single player mode. Let's check this out. And there is, but not really. It's kind of like one of those little things where they just toss it in. Basically, you take one of the characters and just go through these series of dungeon rooms and just collect money. And, like, it's really boring. There's no real story to it. You're just kind of doing the same thing over and over. Uh, mechanics were a little bit janky where you're just, like, walking isometrically. It kind of looks like Diablo a little bit. Top-down camera. Uh, and there's, like, saw blades to dodge. And there's bridges that fall. And you're kind of just walking from one end of the dungeon to the other, collecting coins as you go. And you finish that, and then you just do another dungeon. You finish that, you do another dungeon. I mean, that's kind of all there is to it for the single player. So I wouldn't even really say that it's a legit single player mode. I think that was kind of overstating the case a little bit. It's kind of like if you want to grind for money, sure. But it's not really like anything that I would ever recommend. So very disappointed that there wasn't more of a single player. And I mean, if people like multiplayer party games, that's cool. I noticed that a lot of indies make those. I noticed that there's a lot of them. But to be perfectly honest with you, and I'm, I'm very open to your feedback on this, uh, I just don't think anybody plays them. I think any people make them because it's easy <laughs> to make them because you just got to make some assets. You don't have to have any AI, really. You don't have to. Ha I mean, you can you can make them very simply compared to other games. And I think they just get made because they're easy to make. But I don't think anybody fucking plays these. I just don't. I mean, maybe if you're in a bar with your indie friends and you're drinking beer, maybe you'll play it for a little bit, but like, I just don't, I just don't see these things selling. I just don't see people talking about them. I don't see anybody recommending them every week. There's like six or 10 indie multiplayer party games pop up and then they disappear the next week. So that's basically what happened to this one. I haven't heard anybody talking about it. Got a lot of buzz before it came out because it looked so cool. And I think that once people played it, everybody just was like, mm, no, thanks. And that's it. So, I did not put much time into it. I didn't play any more than I played, and I was really sad that it was just another indie multiplayer party game because it looks like the graphics are being wasted, that concept and the, the clockwork and the world moving is so cool looking, but that's not the kind of game that I want it to be or that's not what I'm interested in. So that was a bummer. So that was Light Fingers. Hey, so you don't know, you've never heard about this. We didn't talk about this before. Any interest? I'm guessing not. Uh, not particularly. I was looking up screenshots of it while you were talking about it just to kind of get a sense of what it looked like. And the, the big, big, like overarching question I have, um, upon hearing what this game is, is whenever you first sent me a list of games you wanted to talk about this week and I saw light fingers, I thought, 
Because, like, when you hear light fingers, I was immediately thinking, with no knowledge of this game, like, oh, is this some kind of, like, Tron grid? Like, (laughs) futuristic thing? (laughs) So, like, where does the name reflect in the gameplay at all? Like, what does light fingers even mean pertaining to the game? It's funny you say that because I think that you are absolutely correct. When I think of light fingers, I think of, like, a VR thing where you're shooting lasers out of your hands or something. <laughs> so I think light fingers refers to the fact that you play as thieves and you're trying to steal oh, money. So, okay, like, you're trying to okay. get the most gold. So, you know, thieves are, like, light fingers or pickpockets. So I think that's what it's – I think that's what they're referring mm, to. So. All right. That makes sense then. All right. So that's all I have to say about that one. Very disappointed, but it looks really cool. And if you play multiplayer party games, which no one ever does, it's it's all just a lie. It's a lie put out by the indie scene. Nobody plays those. <laughs> no one wants those. No one plays them. Um, the next game, I wanted to give a really, really, really quick shout out to the council. We have talked about the council before, haven't we? I think you've talked about it twice, as a matter of fact, for episode one and episode two on separate shows, I think. That makes perfect sense, uh, because now I am here to talk about the council episodes three and four um (laughs) they are going to ultimately be five episodes so there's only one episode left and it's on the way so people who have been watching this and hesitant to jump in because they don't know if the whole series is going to get released feel free to go ahead and buy it now Uh, i mean if you want to wait till the fifth one's out you can play the whole thing in one go that's totally fine also but don't be afraid that the series is not going to happen the series is totally going to happen um the next episode i think is just it's almost done it's going to be coming out, and these guys have been very good with getting their their episodes uh, released. So don't be afraid. You're going to buy it, and then you're never going to see the fifth episode. It's coming, for sure. Um, just really quickly to recap, The Council is a Telltale-like narrative game. Uh, third person where you play a, a, a guy who is kind of like an investigator, sort of. And he is invited to an island. Excuse me, I'm a little stuff here. Uh, he's invited to an island where it's basically like the Illuminati is gathering. There's like George Washington, Napoleon Bonaparte. There's like a guy from the Vatican. There's like a guy from Spain. I don't remember what his name was. There's like some person from England or whatever. Like they're all like famous historical figures, like real, like actual historical figures from real life. Uh, and they're gathered on this island to meet and discuss like the fate of the world. Um, they're going to be talking about who... Is going to be making a move where? Who's going to take what territory? I mean, basically, like, all those tin hat conspiracy people who talk about the Illuminati, they have made a game out of that and pretended as though it was real back <laughs> then at that time period. So, Revolutionary War period. Is this, like, the prequel to Battlegrounds Solid 2, uh, Sons of the Patriots? <laughs> God, dude, it totally could be, man. Like, it totally could be. Like, I think if you gave somebody, like, a combat vest and threw in some firearms, it would totally be that. Like, absolutely. So... That's the thing. You kind of walk around, you talk to people, but the difference um, between this and a Telltale game uh, is that they actually took this game to the next level. Uh, you talk to people, and not only do they say, oh, you know, so Napoleon will remember this, um, it's also like you have skills. There's skill trees, and so depending on what you do and depending on what you find and depending on how you spec yourself, you could be very good at convincing people of something or you could be a really good scientist, or you could be somebody who is uh, knows a lot about politics, or you could be somebody who is very good at psychology, and you can read people. And so you have to like you have these different skills, and it it genuinely matters because if you don't have the right skills, then certain dialogue options are not available to you. And depending on how your character is built, you will go down different paths narratively. Um, some people will be your friends some people will not i mean vice versa it just depends so having skills 
was really important and cool and great and it gives everything a real sense that you're actually playing this interesting character that is much deeper than just watching a movie and pushing a button the other thing is that this game saves all the fucking time like constantly saves and there's no going back so once you make a choice like immediately saves and you cannot go back so there's definitely consequences there is no reloading trying again um, I mean, if you die, you can reload and, you know, try to not die, of course. But, like, when you make a choice or if someone gets mad at you or if you fuck an argument up, there are many <laughs> times when something comes up and a person will be mad at you and it'll say, oh, single chance, single chance. And it'll warn you, like, get this right. And if you don't get this right, you're going to fuck this up. And that's permanent. Like, you can't go back on it. So it definitely makes the stakes a lot higher. Like, there's been a few times when I'm a little bit stressed out playing this. Uh, but I think it's great. I think the main character is really cool. Um, people have said that they don't like his voice acting, but, and to be honest, when you first hear the main character's voice acting, you're like, well, this doesn't sound great. But as the series goes on, you just, he just is a good character. Like I really, I like the way he sounds now and I like him very much. Uh, and I think that the other characters are cool and taking such a, a high level approach to like, you know, the character design, having deeper character, having stats, having choices, um, almost making it, I mean, not like a roguelike, but like, you know, like you cannot go back. You, you can't, it's like one and done. You can't erase your mistakes definitely gives it a much more serious much more meaty feel than what telltale has managed uh, over the past few years so if you like a telltale game and you like that kind of a thing the cancel is where it's at man i i think this is a fucking great game i really love it uh i i wish i could give you specifics more than i can but at the point that i'm at now episode three and episode four finished them both like anything that i say would be like a huge spoiler and honestly in a game like this (laughs) It's all about figuring out the twists and the turns and who's backstabbing who and who's telling the truth about what. So I think this game is great. I don't hear anybody talking about it except for me and maybe like one other person. But it is like the next level of what a Telltale game should be. And the subject matter is super interesting. Um, If you like politics or the Illuminati or real world history. I mean, obviously, it's not all. It's not historical facts, not documentary, but... It's just really, really cool to see these figures that you obviously recognize in a new context and being able to interact with them in this way. Uh, it's great. I really love it a lot. I will say, though, uh, the, the, one, the one reservation I have about the series is the puzzles can be ridiculously hard. And oh, I, am not, no. I am not afraid to admit I am not smart enough for some of these puzzles. Uh, I, was, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty smart guy. I'm not the smartest guy by any means, but I feel like, you know, uh, I, I can hold my own intellectually, but man, these puzzles were like defeating me hardcore. I was like, oh my God, these are really tough. So if you like to work that brain and figure things out and take clues and put those clues together and just, you know, puzzle out some riddles and stuff, this is, it's, there's some real challenge here. I think these puzzles are quite difficult. Um, I had to look up a couple because they were beyond me. And that's okay. I'm not embarrassed to admit that. I, I was not smart enough to figure them out. That's what YouTube is for, apparently. But <laughs> the rest of the game is amazing. I, I would not I would not dissuade anybody from playing it because of the puzzles. I think the characters, I think the systems, I think the setting, I think the events that happen in the script, super interesting, super good. I'm super into it. And if I can't figure out the puzzles, that's just okay. I'm just going to move on. So... I dig it, man. I really want people to play this game like like a lot. I would give this one like pretty much my highest recommendation for stuff to play this year. And it's almost complete. So if you want to play all five in a go, you'll be able to do that in December. So interested? Not interested? Do you like these kind of things, Corey? Yeah, every time you talk about this, I um like I think about how sort of up my alley it sounds because 
I liked The Walking Dead season one, but the more I played of Telltale stuff, the more I kind of got tired of it because every game feels exactly like the one that came before it. Um, and But this, the way you describe this is sort of, you know, saying that it sort of takes to the next level and there's skill trees and there's a lot more sort of involvement rather than just selecting a dialogue option after watching, you know, 10-minute cutscenes um, that... Definitely interests me. I think I'm just going to wait until the whole thing comes out and maybe I'll buy it all at once or maybe I'll wait for it to hit some kind of sale or something and then pick it up. But it definitely seems like something that uh, seems pretty up my alley. I, I, I would be very curious to see if you like this or not. I mean, I definitely think it is a notch above what Telltale has put out. And, I, you know, I feel kind of bad. Like, I'm not trying to punch down on Telltale. I mean, I think, I think everybody listening to the show probably knows that Telltale is basically no more. They fired all their employees. There was a big, you know, they treated their employees really badly, and they were saying that they weren't going to finish the final season of The Walking Dead. And, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of stories you can read online about what happened to Telltale, and that was not good. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, kind of like you said, they got lazy. They got into a rut, and I don't know. I mean, it, the way people tell it, it was upper management, so I'm not pointing the fingers. And I'm not saying people are lazy in the fact they weren't making, you know, they weren't doing hard work, but, I mean honestly speaking they were making the same game over and over and over like it was and it got less and less playable as time went on like less mechanics involved less less twists it became more and more of like let's just make a playable movie and then you push the a button every 10 minutes or so and those are just not interesting and they're not engaging and i think their their output got worse and worse as time went on so uh anyway not not to punch down on them not trying to you know make anybody feel bad or anything like that but i mean the fact is with these type these type of games Telltale broke ground, created the space for these games to exist, but then they did not take it to the next level. The council takes it to the next level. Uh, these guys take the same formula, the same bones, the same basic premise. Like, if you've ever played a Telltale game, you will know immediately what's going on in this game. But then there's a skill tree. But then there's choices. But then there's hard saving that you can't go back on. Then there's actual... There's time limits. There's actually, uh, you know, tactics that you can employ. I mean, there's, there's a lot more to it than just the Telltale template. And this shows that this genre still has places to go. There are still places to improve, still places to grow. So I really love the council a lot. I think it's fantastic. Uh, not smart enough for the puzzles, like I said, but just look them up. Do not do not be dissuaded by the puzzles. Get into it. Look up the answers to the puzzles and keep moving on because I think the rest <laughs> of it is so strong. It definitely deserves to be seen by more people. So that was the council. Um, finally, I just want to give a quick shout out uh, to Owlboy. I believe I've mentioned Owlboy in the past, uh, maybe once or twice on the show. This was the game that I first saw at PAX maybe like seven years ago, eight years ago or something like that. And it looked really cool at that time. Uh, it was just about a little boy who's kind of like half boy, half owl, 2D, pixel-based, kind of a platformer, but he can fly. It just looked really colorful and cool, cool character design. And then, like, it just disappeared, and then it would show up, like, two years later, and I would see it, and it, it had been, you know, worked on. It looked a little better. But then it would disappear, and it finally it finally came out, I think, last year for real. And I think, ultimately, it was, like, five, six, seven years or something like that that it was in development. It was kind of like this weird game that just, like, was trapped in, you know, development hell for a while and just the Bermuda Triangle of indie games design or something. So they finally came out, and... I was hyped for it, but it came out at the wrong time. I was really busy, couldn't play it. And I just recently started it maybe two weeks ago. And it's great. It's really great. I think it's wonderful. I haven't finished it. 
because I bought it on the Switch, and so I'm kind of playing it when I'm at work, when I get a few minutes, or when I'm in bed or something. So I'm not, like, jamming on it hardcore. But, I mean, the animation is wonderful. Uh, the storytelling has been great. It, it feels really cool to play a character who can fly at any time with no limits. Uh, so that's an interesting approach to game design. And I think just everything is really cool. I'd, I'll probably have more to say about it later once I get further in and once I play more. But I did want to really remind people that Owlboy exists. Um, it's a thing that's out there. These guys have worked so hard in this game. I really would hate for this game to just vanish and nobody buy it. Because, I mean, like, these guys have spent years and years and years and years on this thing. They deserve to have a little bit of success. Uh, Mike Susky reviewed it at Game Critics. I think he gave it like a 9. He really liked it a lot. I really like it a lot. It's on PS4, it's on PC, it's on the Switch. Feels very good on the Switch, by the way. If you're looking for a good Switch game, this is a perfect fit. So I don't have any anything deeper to say about it right now. Just the <laughs> fact that it's out there, it's really good. I've put maybe five or ten hours into it, and I think it's it's great. Like, it's really, really, really good. So if you like a 2D, uh, 2D action-adventure game, and you want to fly and be like a half-boy, half-owl, this is, this is your jam, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's out there. It's out there. Corey, have you checked it out? Uh, I haven't. I'm not sure, entirely sure this would be my jam, so I've been kind of hesitant to look at it uh, in a deep manner. Uh, if you like, if any, and not just you, but I mean, for people who like 2D games, indie platformers, you know, action-adventure, I mean, honestly, like, if Nintendo had put this out and called it a Nintendo game, I wouldn't even blink twice at it. Like, it would be like, oh, yeah. This is the new Nintendo IP. That makes total sense. Like, it seems it would fit perfectly within that canon, you know? So if you can think of, like, the kind of stuff that you would be playing on the on the 3DS, like the 2D platformers, anything Nintendo branded, it's got that same kind of, like, feel to it, like the love and attention put into it. It's It's been very, very good so far. So I'll talk more about it once I finish it. But Owlboy is out there. It's great on the Switch. Just heads up that it's a thing that you can buy right now today, and it's really good. So... That's all I've got for that, and I've talked for like a million years. Corey, let's let's <laughs> switch it over to you. An update on The Way, uh, which you talked about last episode, and this is one that I kind of highlighted a while ago. This comes from, I think, a Polish developer. It's kind of like a sci-fi 2D action, but there's also puzzles, and it's kind of a weird, unconventional sort of thing. Reminded me a little bit of Flashback or um, Fade to Black or Abe's Odyssey or something like that. So I'm assuming you've finished it or you put some more time into it or maybe you're done with it tell us tell us where you're at with the way well this is going to be a rather short update but i feel like um sort of a responsibility of hosting or co-hosting a podcast rather that i often forget um is whenever either you or i talk about a game and we're liking it and we're enjoying it but we haven't finished it or maybe i don't know we don't have to be liking it we just have to talk about it and have not finished it in a capacity um i feel like i know i'm guilty of this you're probably guilty of this but it's not really a big deal of just like not like whenever we stop playing a game for any reason of coming back and then not talking about it again or not saying that we stopped or whatever so i feel like i owe a, a responsibility to briefly talk about this game because it is the way we talked about it a couple times already. The last time I talked about it, I was, I wasn't like singing its praises from the rooftops, but I was enjoying it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, wasn't loving it, wasn't hating it, but it was just like an above average sort of a little something that I don't usually play, you know, as a, a sort of like a side scrolly puzzle game with a little bit of combat. And 
Um, and But I stopped playing it, and I basically just want to give a little update on why I stopped playing it, because I would hate for people to uh, come back to the show and think, oh, he really liked this game, and so I'm going to buy it, and then it turns out that I stopped playing it, and I never told anybody why. So there came a point in the way where it... Because so, for a while, it was kind of more action-y. I mean, it was definitely puzzly, but you get, like I said the last time I talked about it, you get a pistol about 30 minutes into it, like a little laser gun, and you can, like, shoot things, and it turns into... I mean, it's not like a Metroid by any stretch of the imagination, but it gets a little more action-oriented here and there. Um, but there comes a point where you, for circumstances I will not spoil, you don't have a gun anymore. And I thought whenever I lost the gun in the game, oh, this is a temporary thing. It's probably for some boss chase sequence or something like that. And they want to, you know, contrive up a way for you not to be able to attack a certain enemy and they want to do this chase scene or something. But it turns out that from what I have figured out so far, once you lose the gun, you have no combat capabilities for the rest of the game, which is weird because the combat, I mean, it wasn't grade A combat, but it was something that was fine. You know, I enjoyed having more agency over the world and being able to, you know, shoot that killer giant Venus fly trap plant that pops up out of the world that eats you in one hit rather than having to dodge it or jump around it or something like that. It just gives you a little more agency in the world. Um, well, you lose the gun at a certain point. I don't think you ever get it back. So at that point in the game, it kind of devolves into way more of a puzzle experience and that's fine for certain people it's not fine for me because this is the kind of game where at a certain point i just started looking at walkthroughs online to solve the puzzles which i mean to each his own i don't have any problem with going onto the internet to look up solutions to puzzles especially if they're kind of obtuse puzzles and this game has a lot of very obtuse puzzles so if you're of that mind where you like that kind of experience then i mean that's all well and good but i don't I was hoping that this game wouldn't turn into just a game that's one puzzle after another after another, and that's kind of what it turns into. But the final straw for me was I was working on a puzzle and a game that and the game that involved like these like water pipe things where you have to adjust these four levers and it makes like water go through certain pipes and there's like a robot tank thing that's underneath you and it's not attacking you. So you're not like dodging rockets and trying to figure out this puzzle at the same time, but it's under you. And there's a way, I think the puzzle ends up like letting you kill it or something like that. I can't, I don't know how it works because long story short, I didn't finish the puzzle. The problem for me is this is one of those games that's kind of so indie and so niche that there's not a whole lot of resources on the internet about it. Like I was using a guide I think that somebody wrote on a Steam discussion board for it to play it or to get through the puzzles while I was playing it on Switch because I think it launched on Steam before it came to Switch. And I got to a point where on this water pipe puzzle, I couldn't finish it even while looking at a walkthrough online. And I didn't feel, uh, I guess, moved enough to look up a YouTube walkthrough. I looked up one... But I, instead of it being like a puzzle guide video, it was just a guy streaming it and just kind of playing it casually. And he was having a hard time with the puzzle. And I didn't feel like watching him fumble through the puzzle so that I could fumble through the puzzle right, to try to figure right, it out. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, long story short, if I'm playing your game and it has a puzzle that's so hard that I can't beat it while looking at a walkthrough online, a part of it's on me because I'm not of the mind where I enjoy this kind of puzzle experience. 
um, that was enough for me to kind of pull out of it and not be interested in the game anymore. Um, I think it's kind of disappointing that the game gives you a gun and a little more of like an action adventure agency early on. And then about halfway through the game, it takes the gun away from you and says, oh, never mind. You're just going to do puzzles from here on out. And there are still threats in the world. Like there's a part where there's these robots that look like that are humanoid shaped that are kind of attacking you. And it's kind of cool because you have to use like clever environmental sort of things in order to defeat them or get around them. But I kind of just like wish that I'd had the laser gun and could have shot them. I would have probably enjoyed that a little bit more. Um, so I just stopped playing it. I'm not here for like really obtuse puzzles. I know some people are, and that's totally cool. Um, my mind just doesn't really work that way or want to work that way all the time whenever I'm playing games. So as my duty to anybody who listened, who thought that I was really loving this game, I thought it was pretty good. And then I got to a puzzle that was so obtuse, I didn't feel like playing the game anymore, and I stopped playing it, and that was that, and I don't think I'm ever going to come back to this game. I appreciate the fact that you did this, um, because honestly, I listen to a lot of video game podcasts. I listen to a bunch. It's probably what I listen to the most when I'm driving, and I drive a lot. And one thing that I personally get annoyed with, and I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not pointing fingers. <laughs> I realize that I am on a podcast myself, so it's, you know, I'm not trying to, like, you know, pot call the kettle black or anything or whatever. Um, I, I, um, I listen to shows, and when I hear a show and they never say anything bad about anything, it really bothers me. And it really undermines the rest of what they say, because if everything is great and everything is wonderful and you love everything... That just can't be true. Not every game is a masterpiece. Not every game is great. And it's impossible to like everything. So why are you being... You're either not telling the truth or you're being so selective that all you're doing is talking about good things, which is fine, but then there's also bad things. I mean, you got to have a balance. You don't... You cannot talk about the good without addressing the bad. And so I really, really appreciate that you took the time to circle back around. And like you said, sometimes we talk about a game starts out good and then for whatever reason we don't come back to it on the show maybe we stop playing it we forgot to bring it up or we finish it and just forget to mention it but i think that you circling back to say hey wait a minute we liked this a lot last time but now we don't like it so much i think is really valuable and i'm really glad you did that i mean that kind of honesty um, is something that i appreciate as a listener and now that we're on the show i appreciate that we're doing it yeah i um yeah i think uh are you? I don't want to bring him up too much because I think his content is maybe not as great as it used to be. But uh, the zero punctuation guy, Yahtzee Croshaw, are you yeah, familiar I, with him? I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't watched him in a long time, but I watched him when he was when he, you know, when he first got big and was getting really popular and stuff. Yeah, he has. I can't remember what review he talks about this in, but everyone since I heard it, I always. I mean, it's kind of a funny line, but he says something about how you can always expect a good game to turn bad, but you can never expect a bad game to get better or something like that. I can't, that's not an exact quote, but he says something like that. And I mean, I really like for better or for worse, think that's true because there's a lot of games where you start and you're like, yeah, this is all right. And then either it gets too long or it gets too monotonous or it gets too hard. And so therefore, you know, tailoring it to your taste levels, it gets worse for you. And this is, and it, I do think it's rare that you start a game and you dislike it, and then it suddenly becomes some magical thing later. Because I mean, you and I have made clear on the show that we just kind of don't have time for that. Like, and it gets better later. Totally, situation. totally, totally. Um, and I feel like the way was just that for me. Um, it started off pretty good. It's got a really interesting premise. It gets you right into the game. It's got a great art style. It looks really beautiful. Um, 
It controls. I really liked playing it on Switch. It controls really well on the Switch, and but it just got too uh, obtuse for me, and I yeah, I just stopped playing it. And you know, I wish the developers well and all that stuff. And I think that they made a good product here, and I think it's definitely tailored for a certain kind of person, and that kind of person just isn't me. And I'm not into these really obtuse puzzles. But yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just doing my part, you know, for society on the show by coming back and saying. Uh, you know, hey, I liked this a while back, but I kind of burnt out on it. And maybe my recommendation is less less heavy this time around. But also maybe there are people listening who really like these kind of puzzle games. And all of a sudden, this game sounds way better to them than it did when I talked about it a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, to each their own. But just as a heads up, yeah, I dropped this game. And I, uh, I've been trying to think of a really bad pun. Like, this game is called The Way, but I, I don't know, like looked for the way out of playing it or something. Maybe um, it's headed the wrong way, something like that, maybe. Yeah, it went the wrong... This game is called The Way, but it went the wrong way for me to appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we'll work on it. We'll work. We'll get there. We'll figure <laughs> it out. We can, we can workshop this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you're describing, though, totally sounds exactly like that very niche grouping of, like, mid-'90s games where... I mean, it, it sounds exactly like this is straight from that. Like, it sounds very inspired by that. Because in those games, like, you know, Fade to Black or Heart of the Alien or um, whatever. I, there's, like a, there's, like, six or eight games that are always, like, the big ones people name drop. And I don't like them very much. And so I have a hard time always name dropping them myself. But I think people will probably get a good idea for um, what I'm talking about. But, yeah, that, it sounds very much like that. Like, you sometimes can attack, but usually it's about avoiding obstacles. Usually it's about puzzling and trying to make your way through these dangers. Uh, that was the, really the vibe I got, and now you saying that the gun gets taken away, so you go back to puzzling, just reinforces that again. So I think that for a certain specific type of person, like you said, like maybe people who like uh, Abe's Odyssey or uh, Flashback or any of those, this is probably their jam. But that's a pretty limited limited niche, and it's a very specific kind of a game. So I I can easily understand why this is maybe not your cup of tea, and I'm not even sure that it's my cup of tea either. I'm not sure that it is. I bought it. And I'll get to it at some point, but after hearing you talk about this, I'm like, well, uh, I'm not going to prioritize this. We'll get to it later. <laughs> well, you know, someday. Someday. When I'm in the retirement home and i got nothing to do, maybe I'll bust it out. So we'll see. <laughs> Any final thoughts or should we move on? Uh, nope. That was it. Um, that was The Way on Switch. I think it's on PC as well. Um, but those are my recs and not recs for it. Um, but we can move on. I know you've got a few more games you want to discuss. Uh, so take the reins, sir. All right. Jesus, take the wheel. Here we go. Um, a <laughs> couple more kind of scattershot games really quickly. First, kind of like what I did with um, Owlboy, I want to give a shout out to Pig Eat Ball. I talked about this, I think, once before or maybe twice before in the show. So it's Pig Eat Ball. Three separate words. It's kind of a weird title. People get confused by it. But uh, it's a kind of like an arcade style game put out by Nathan Fouts, who runs Mommy's Best Games. They were very popular on the 360 indie scene. He's been kind of uh, out of the spotlight for a while, been working on other projects, uh, but he has been working on this for like four or five years, kind of a labor of love. It's finally out. It's out on PC. It will be out on PS4 and Xbox One, I think, in January, something like that. Uh, basically, you play... So so imagine like looking down at like Pac-Man. You know what Pac-Man is, right? Everybody knows Pac-Man, right? <laughs> of course I know what Pac-Man is. Of course is. you do. Everybody knows. So imagine, imagine the, the way that Pac-Man looks, like the maze pac-man moving around the screen so this is not like a pac-man clone but just that kind of same idea of moving around a screen in that same space in that way uh you play like a weird outer space 
princess pig, who's not really a pig, but kind of vaguely looks like a pig. And she has to go around collecting balls, and she eats them. So that's why this game is called Pig Eat Ball. Uh, balls bounce around the environment. She sucks them up, and then she gets bigger as she eats them. And so part of the game is navigating space while also managing the size of your body. So if you're empty and have no balls, you can get through any passageway. But when you eat more balls, you get bigger. You can't fit through certain ways. And so sometimes you have to spin them back out. And so she will, like, spit the balls out and then size down, squeeze through whatever she gets through, and then eat the balls back up and then get bigger again. So it's kind of like managing your movement, managing your size uh, in kind of like an arcade-style fashion. Uh, and there's a lot of variety. I don't even know how many levels there are in this game. It seems like infinite levels. I mean, there's a lot. I haven't finished the game. There's a lot to get through. And it's, 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 a big, it's a big task. But they come in bite-sized chunks. Each level is like, you know, five, five minutes long or something like that. It's not huge. But there are, you know, Pac-Man style challenges. There are some that are like races. There are some where you're breaking stuff. There's some where you just got to eat a large number of balls. There's some where you're competing against AI. I mean, there's there's whole all sorts of challenges, variety, all sorts of stuff that happens within the same basic framework of like that kind of Pac-Man style design. So it's really cool. It's funny. Nathan's sense of humor is one that I really appreciate. He's very off the wall and, and kind of eccentric, but in like the best possible sense. Uh, I like this game a lot. Haven't finished it, so I can't, you know, I don't have final thoughts on it. But I would def definitely recommend it if you like Nathan's other games or if you want something that's a little more action-y, arcade-y, kind of funny. Uh, and it will be coming to console soon if you prefer that on console. So just a quick shout-out, again, that Pig Eat, Pig Eat Ball is a <laughs> thing that exists, and I think it's good, and Nathan's a cool guy, and he, I like his games. So there's that. Um, probably not your jam, I don't think. Uh, probably not. Um, it sounds like a hoot, but probably not something I would play. There's definitely multiplayer as well. I have played the multiplayer when he had it at PAX because he had four controllers and it was the right setting and there was a thousand people crowded around, so there's plenty of people to play with. Uh, the multiplayer is actually pretty fun. Uh, you kind of like run around, eat balls, and if somebody bites your tail, then you vomit all your balls up and then the other people <laughs> eat them back up and... It's kind of this weird hungry hippos in space sort of thing. It's really, it's fun and bizarre. But anyway, multiplayer on there. Uh, moving on, a game called Hover, H-O-V-E-R, indie game that came to PS4. I believe it's also on Switch. I believe it's also on Xbox One. This is very much like Jet, Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio. Have you ever played either one of those games? I played, oh, I played one of them on the Dreamcast, but I can't remember which one it was. They're basically the same thing. I mean, I'm sure that those fans would be screaming at their their podcast players right now, but they're basically the same thing. Where, and also in Hover, you take a character, you're in some kind of weird dystopian future, and you need to grind rails and do parkour and jump and move fast and do graffiti to fight back against the man because that's how you fight <laughs> back against the man just like in real life um so this is hover it looks cool in videos and colorful the motion looks really neat and fun uh, but i'm so i don't need to review this i'm not like obligated to play this and i will tell you uh, I did not even get through the tutorial. I stopped before oh, I even no. before I even finished the tutorial, which is pretty rare. Um, so I watched the videos. I expected kinetic, fast-paced, uh, maybe something that would kind of be like uh, what's the game that came out for Xbox One? Sunset Overdrive. I expected maybe something like Sunset Overdrive, 
or something like that. But you start the game, and the game just tells you, like, oh, you're a clone, and we're inside a facility, and we need to teach you what to do. Okay, fine. That's totally fine. Uh, but it's weird to me that for a parkour mobility game, they start you off in, like, rooms and hallways when you should be out on the city on rooftops and on skating along gutters and rails and stuff. So, like, immediately I'm getting the sense that these guys are going to ride because they start, like, Hey, there's these things in the wall. You should scan. There are lots of locked, do locked doors. Scan these locks to open the doors. And I'm like, oh my god. Okay, why am I doing this? This this is not what I thought this game was. And you get further on, and they're like, oh, like they're just having you go through all these little puzzles and training to like do these aspects of a game which I did not think would be in a game like this. So maybe that's on me, but I think the videos definitely give a different perspective of what this game is trying to do at least in the tutorial and uh i just got really frustrated because i just wanted to go grind something and just run and be free out in the outdoors and i just i it was like getting really bored and frustrated with the tutorial because it's not responsive it's not quick and it's not really clear it's not a great tutorial uh so i was getting a little bit confused on some parts finally uh got further on and then guess what else popped up in the tutorial that's right a mandatory stealth section and i'm like oh, oh my no. god this is supposed to be Jake Ryan Radio outside in the city tagging things and moving fast, and I'm doing a fucking forced <laughs> stealth mission. I was like, I can't. I just can't even, Corey. I just can't even. And I stopped. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I can't get through your tutorial. I'm not going to play this. Menus are really fucked up and shitty and PC-like, and we're kind of a mess. And I just was like, if you can't even get me through your tutorial... There is no guarantee that this game is going to get good once I get past this and move out in the world. So fuck it. Moving on. Not going to do it. Uh, just no. No, 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 no. So pretty rare, but I did not even finish the tutorial. And clearly I don't recommend it. Maybe the game is great when you get out in the world. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But you guys start your game off on the right foot, folks. And I, man, just when I hit that stealth section, I was like, nope, not doing it. Done. So... It's Hover. It's on PS4. That's where I played it. Uh, Corey, you going to run out and, and check this out? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, on the same topic of tagging and pushing back against the man in a political sense, did you ever play a game called uh, Getting Up, which was on PS2? It was like, uh, it was like Mark Echo's oh, Getting Mark Up. Oh, Mark Echo. Yeah, I didn't play it, but I have heard of it. That was actually a good game, dude. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it would hold up um, these days, but I played it back in the day. And that was, again, this was a game that was about, um, it wasn't about parkour, but it was about like climbing, urban exploration, a lot of platforming in urban areas. Tagging was like a really big thing where you had to like, you know, do graffiti and certain things and push back against like the oppressive uh, system that was going on. That was actually a pretty fucking dope game. Like, I thought that was a really good game. I didn't care for the Mark Echo connection, and it seemed to be kind of weird. And I, I just, you know, and I don't know, like, what they were going for with that. I don't know who was going to buy that. But that actually ended up being a really cool game. So just kind of a random shout-out if anybody is playing some PS2 or maybe you can emulate it or something. But Mark Echo's Getting Up was actually pretty good. If you like climbing, platforming, urban exploration, kind of like a Tomb Raider in the city uh, with less combat and a lot more... Um, just like being around on structures and getting up to places like half the challenge was seeing a billboard that was 10 stories above you and figuring out how to get up there. So that was pretty cool. I think that was actually a really good game. I have a very fond memories of that, despite the fact that it was weird. And I probably picked it up in a bargain bin for like a dollar 75 or something. But that was a good <laughs> game. That was a good game. So shout out for uh, for getting up. 
Shout out for getting up. Shout out for getting up. Uh, and if anybody listening has played that and you liked it and you agree, please let me know because I feel like I'm the only person in the world who played that game. I know that somebody else must have played that. But uh, if you're a fan of Getting Up, let me know. I want to hear you. <laughs> I can certainly say I'm a fan of Getting Up, but probably not in the same sense no. of what we're talking oh, about. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Let's get off of that topic. <laughs> Let's get off of oh, that oh, topic. Oh, shit. Oh, no. I did it again. Oh, no. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, a game called Guts and Glory. This comes from Tiny Build, who are, oh man, they're kind of a weird publisher. Are you familiar with Tiny Build? I am not. They, I don't even know what their deal is. They send out really weird <laughs> PR emails. I can never, I can never get a good read on them. Their, their PR emails are weird. The games they choose are really strange. Um, they do, um, what do they do? They do Party Hard. They do Hello Neighbor. They do... It's like it's really random. Like really random selection of games. I don't really have a good bead on like what their what their steez is. I can't really find out like what their zone is. You know like we talk about Devolver or Annapurna. And like when you hear from them you're like oh I kind of got a, a good idea of like maybe what they're going for. But like tiny build i just i don't have a read on them so they're kind of weird <laughs> this is this is another one of their picks uh once again called guts and glory i looked at a video of this it is a physics fuck around game which my son loves those he loves physics and fucking around so i thought i would pick it up for him the videos were pretty gory and i'm like well i'll give it a chance and see maybe i can turn the gore off and stuff but basically you take a bunch of different characters there's like a man on a bike with his wife is on the back seat of the bike or there's a car full of a family there's like a hobo strapped to a rocket chair there's a businessman pulling his like, grandma on a wagon there's like all sorts of these weird vehicles that you can choose from and you know with physics applied to them and then the point of it is you need to ride your vehicle through these various weirdly video game environments where it looks like a neighborhood but there's actually you know, machine gun turrets mounted on the roof and there's saw blades everywhere and there's spikes on everything and so you have to, like, manage the physics of these vehicles and get through the level, you know, go through these certain checkpoints, don't get shot, don't get chopped and stabbed, and then make it to the end. And it just seemed like really physics-y, goofy things happening, you know, ragdoll physics, people flopping all over the place. My son loves that shit, and so I thought this <laughs> might be a good one to try. But this is a perfect example of what I talk about sometimes when it comes to parental guidance, because... Parental guidance is more than reading the label on the back of a package and then giving it to your kid and saying, check it out, I'll see you later. Parental guidance is like sitting down with your kids. It's about watching what they do. It's about playing with them. And also, it's about playing a game before they play it. So I'm really glad that I did that, and I'm glad that I believe in parental guidance in the truest sense because it looks like goofy fun at first, and as I started playing Guts and Glory, I was like, I was really floored by how bloody and gory it was. Oh, no. and, I, and I knew that it was from the video. I'm not saying that I didn't know that, but I thought that maybe... They were showing extreme examples in the video, or maybe there would be some settings you could change. And there were, to be fair, there were settings. You could change the blood level, how much was, was gushed. You could change the gore factor, although I'm not really quite sure what that changed because not a lot changed. So even with all of the settings turned all the way down or off when possible, it was really bloody and really over the top. Like, for example, uh, I was riding a guy. Guy's on a bike. He's riding. He goes through a doorway 
and in the doorway there's like a little hook hanging down and I wasn't sure what it was and so I, I, I ran into it and it like stabbed him in the face and his body was hanging from the hook and he was swinging like with this metal spike embedded in his head and blood gushed out. I'm like, oh my God, like, like I'm no stranger to violence, dude. I, I've played every fucking game out there and even I was like, oh dear, this is, this is a lot. Like this is, this is a bunch, you know? And then like you, you, uh, you're driving your bike and then. You hit a saw and like the saw cuts you like you and your passenger in half, like arms and legs are going all over the place. Blood is exploding. <laughs> Guts are pouring out of their stomachs. I'm like, dude, this is like a lot. Like, why are you doing this so much? This is too much. Like, I'm not a prude. Like, I'm not squeamish. But like, I, even for me, it was too much. And I'm like, man, I can't let my kid play this. Even with all the settings turned off, they're still getting chopped up into pieces. This is not good. So I don't. I don't want to cast aspersions on the developers. I mean, maybe these guys are cool dudes and they think it's funny. And, uh, you know, it's, it was kind of funny. But, like, the level of gore was, like, so over the top that I kind of got concerned for their mental health a little bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And to be to be, uh, to be be factual about it, when this game first came out, uh, it was promoted as having a dad and a baby in the backseat. So oh, my they, God. They changed it because people spoke up pretty quickly. Hey, it's not cool to see a baby get chopped up into a million pieces and explode into blood. So they changed it. The babies, as far as I can see, the baby's no longer in the game. But you can go find those videos on YouTube of that baby getting chopped up and rendered into, like, you know, mulch. Uh, it was too much, dude. It was too much. And I, I just kind of wonder, if you like that stuff, okay. And the game seems kind of fun, like, physics-wise otherwise, but why would you not enable me to turn that off? Because it's too fucking much. So maybe people are not agreeing with me. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying this game shouldn't exist. I'm not saying that I need to censor it or anything. If you want to play it, play it. That's fine. To each his own. But for me, it kind of was like, these guys are crazy. Like, these guys have some real problems. This is too much violence. This is too much blood. I don't understand why. <laughs> I, it's, it's too much. So I deleted the game after that. I did not play it myself. I refused to let my son play it, and that was that. So Parental Guidance in Action, Guts and Glory is a game that exists. It seems like it would be fun if you don't mind the gore. I generally don't, but this is one case where it was too much even for me, and I had to move on. So very bizarre experience. Is this anything anything about this sounding appealing to you, Corey? Do you, do you like the Blood and Gore games? You'll go in for the... The baby's getting chopped up, or what's your take oh, on that? Oh, God. I mean, it sounds funny, but it doesn't sound like something I would want to play. Like, just here, I think hearing you talk about it is more entertaining to me than I think actually playing the game would be. So um, that's probably about where I'm stopping with experiencing <laughs> this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, it was weird because I don't often I don't often bail just because of, like, that kind of a concern it's pretty rare but whew, i i it's rare that i see a game that goes that far over the top with it and that to me was too much so i don't know look at a youtube video it doesn't seem to me like something i would recommend to you but you know you never know uh finally shout out for a game called escape goat 2 have i ever mentioned this i probably haven't have i i don't think so you heard of it only from your tweets Escape Goat 2 uh, comes from a guy named Ian Stalker, who is known on Twitter as Magical Time Bean, B-E-A-N. Uh, he is a cool dude. I met him through the Xbox 360 
indie marketplace, like right when indies were first starting to be a thing on console back in the day, like when that was still new, he put out a game. And to be perfectly honest with you, I can't even remember what it was called, but I remembered playing it and I got really frustrated because I got to the end of the game and there was like this level that I thought was bullshit. And I was like, oh my God, this game fucking sucks. It's so hard. I can't stand this. Who would design a game like this? And, you know, that was before I really knew that, like, everybody sees what you talk about on Twitter. And so he immediately, like, tweeted me back. He's like, oh, yeah, angry video game nerd, huh? Too much for you? And I'm like, oh, shit. And <laughs> oh, man. We, started, we started having a dialogue, and we actually got to become friends. So he was pretty cool. Uh, and we talked about his game design for that game. I explained why I was so frustrated with it. I explained where I thought he could improve it. He heard me out and took the feedback. And, like, you know, he was just a cool dude. Like, uh, I can understand as a developer you know being defensive when someone shit talks your game in a public space which is exactly what i did although to be fair i think he deserved it but his game was was pretty good otherwise and i've gone on to enjoy his other games um so we got to become friends and he after that initial game which i think it was called like oh fuck it was called like soul catcher or something like that it actually was a pretty good game he made escape goat which is about a goat which is in like this weird medieval dungeon full of traps and you have to just get out. So he can jump and dash and a couple of the tricks. But he also had a little mouse with him. And it, it's really the game is about a partnership between a goat and a mouse. And the mouse can be used to get into small spaces. The mouse has a little magic hat on, which is so cute and adorable. That when the mouse goes to, like, maybe, for example, like a high up place that the goat cannot get to, he uses his magic hat to trade places. And so you can use the mouse to get to places that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to reach. And every room is like a single screen puzzle. So you just kind of progress through the castle or the dungeon, you know, room by room by room by room. And each room is just one screen. And so you just work with what's on there. Part of it was reflexes. Part of it was being clever. Part of it was puzzle solving. I mean, really great design, really appealing character design. I just, I loved Escape Goat and Escape Goat 2 was the sequel to that. Of course, it's on PS4. It's on, it might be on Switch. It might not be. Don't quote me on that. It's on Xbox, it's on PC. So basically the same premise as Escape Goat. You're the goat, you're back in the dungeon. There's a little bit of story, not much story. You're not really playing this game for the story. You're playing it for the puzzles. But the same basic premise, the goat has to escape. The mouse is back, so it's the mouse and goat again. Up to their old tricks. Each room is one single puzzle. And they're very bite-sized, very self-contained. Once again, it's uh, part of it is reflexes, part of it is cleverness. Part of it is just observing things in the environment. And one of the big hooks to this game is that when you go through each room, each room has a lot of moving parts. And so, like, maybe, for example, you'll enter a room and it'll be like a hallway, but there'll be a button at the end of the room. And so you push the button and then the hallway will, like, reconfigure as you're watching it. It'll go from being a hallway to, like, it'll turn into, like, four rooms while you're standing there. And so, like, there's all these, like, moving pieces to each room. And so you have to figure out where's the right place to stand. What order do I have to push these buttons in to get the room configured the way that it needs to be? Where am I trying to get to? And that kind of a thing. So it's really um, very tactile, very action-y, very fast-paced, very puzzly. You will die a lot, and the respawn is instant, which is great, which is exactly the way it should be. Uh, so I think it's really great. I love this game a lot. I, I'm a huge fan of Escape Goat and Escape Goat 2. Uh, I have two t-shirts. I bought it twice on hard copy. I think I own it on basically every platform it's out on. And I never finished it, though. It just it, it hit me at a point. And I say this all the time. I feel like a total broken record, and for people <laughs> who don't know what records are, please Google that. Um, I say this all the time where I'm like, oh, this game that I really like came out at a wrong time because I was reviewing something else or because I was busy. Exactly the case here. I love this game. 
Uh, I did not review it. We had somebody else review it at Game Critics. I was busy on something else, and by the time I came back to it, I had 15 other things piled up. But this weekend, I was sitting in front of the PS4, weird feeling, just in a mood, didn't know what was <laughs> sounding good. I wanted something. Um, and I'm like, oh, Escape Goat 2, it's still on my PS4. I never deleted it. I'm about halfway through. I could get like five or ten levels in, and that would be good. And I went back to it. A little bit of learning curve because I haven't played it in like a year or whatever, so I kind of forgot the buttons and stuff. But once I remembered that, I'm like, yes, this game is still good. This game is so fun and challenging, but in a good way and satisfying to play. And I just love the mechanics of it. It's just a fucking really good game. Really, really good game. I love Escape Goat 2. So highest possible recommendation for that. It's on basically every system, I think. And I think it's, it might even be on Switch, but Escape Goat 2 is really good stuff. So is this, you know... Do you go in for puzzly games? Is anything I said about Escape Goat 2 appeal to you at all? No. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think so. But let me ask you this, Corey. Uh, so when I was sitting in front of my PS4, before I decided to play Escape Goat 2, I was I have like no shortage of games to play. And that's not a that's not a boast. I'm not trying to, you know, make make it sound like I'm rich or important or anything like that. I just we all have backlogs. I think anybody listening to the show probably has a backlog. Uh, and I have all this stuff to play. I mean, I've got, like, Spider-Man sitting here. I've got a bunch of other games from before that I could play. I could jump in on Overwatch. I could jump in on Fortnite. I, could, I mean, I got, like, like literally no shortage of stuff to play. But I had this weird feeling, and I want to know if you feel this way, too, where I didn't want to jump into anything that was big because I didn't want to have to learn new systems right away. I didn't want to have to have... I didn't want to start something that was going to be 20 hours long, you know? Like, I didn't want to take on that commitment. I didn't want to be married to a game for, like, the next four weeks while I try to finish it. Because if I start something, I generally try to finish it. So I was like, I want to play something. I want to I want to do, participate in the act of playing games. But I don't want to take on something that feels like an obligation or that feels like work or that's going to be like a big task. Do you ever do you ever feel that way where you just you just don't want to jump into something big? You get that that same sensation? Yeah, I mean, this is like a real thing. I remember reading um, I think there was like a study about it with regarding Netflix where it was something like people would have their queues full of like, uh, you know, heavy, like important dramas and Oscar winning films and movies that, you know, are supposed to move the human condition and stuff like that. But people would always watch like comedies and more lighthearted stuff first or like TV shows or stuff that wasn't as heavy because they didn't, they would always say, next time I'll watch that. Next time I'll watch the heavy movie. Next time I'll you know, watch the movie that won Best Picture or whatever at the Oscars. Um, so this is like an actual thing, like, that has been studied. And, I mean, for Netflix, at least, not for video games. But it's the same thing for video games. And I have the same problem, too, where I'll get, like, a game in the mail from Gamefly. Like, Tomb Ra Shadow of the Tomb Raider, for example. I had that game for a couple of weeks before I even started it, I think. And... I just didn't, and I'm not even like really in the middle of any games right now. I'm just kind of like playing a little bit of stuff here and there, but I, I will do that too, where I'll be like, man, I kind of want to play something, but I just don't know if I'm in the mood to take on some giant 20 hour game or try something new. I mean, my, like my steam wish list cause I pretty selective about the games that I play on PC, um, my steam wish list is full of, or not wish list, but steam library is full of games that. You know, like some that I've heard really good things about that I've never played. Like, for example, the one I can think of off the top of my head is like Kentucky Route Zero. Like, I've heard really, really good things about that game. It's been in my Steam library for 
uh, years maybe at this point, and I just never sit down to play it because I don't feel like ready to play it. Um, so yeah, I totally I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I just I want to be playing games, but I just time is so tight these days and life is so busy and there's so much on my plate in terms of like real life. I mean, you know, doing paperwork and going to work and taking care of things at home. I just, you know, like when I was 16 and I had, you know, a summer off from school and I had nothing to do and no obligations. Yeah. That's totally the time when I want to sink 300 hours into a JRPG or something. But like these days, man, I just want to, I want to be able to like sit down and feel satisfied after just a few minutes and walk away and just I want it to be like a positive rather than something that drains energy for me you know what I mean and like I just I just felt like I had to play something short and something that was light and something I could step away from and not feel like I was gonna forget it all or like you know just I just just not an obligation sometimes games feel like an obligation to me and maybe that just means I'm too busy as a person or maybe I got too much on my plate but sometimes a big game is not a joy sometimes it is it feels like work and that was totally how I was feeling. And that was exactly when I'm like, you know, Escape Goat 2 feels like just a thing. And that was exactly what I needed. It was like each level is like three to five minutes. They're all separated out and segmented so you can finish one and feel like you check one of those puzzles off your list and you feel like you got something done. You can leave it and come back and there's no, you're not going to figure out what the story is because you're a goat that's escaping. There's the story. You remembered it. <laughs> uh, so that was the perfect thing that I needed at that time. I mean, I don't want to play only games like that. Like I don't, I don't only want that to be on my plate, but that day at that particular time that was the right game for that moment and i'm glad that i had it and in general i love escape code i think it is actually it's i mean it's, it is superb it is a superb game <laughs> i have basically no complaints or no criticisms of it i think it is a masterpiece but nobody has played it nobody knows what it is and it has not ever gotten much recognition so it is truly i think one of the um one of the best games you've never heard of so i would definitely throw that out there I think it might be... I think the first Escape Goat is on Vita. I think it's also on PS3, maybe. I don't know. Escape Goat and Escape Goat 2. Check them out. They're great. So, there you go. Love those games. Uh, Corey, you... Have, I'm looking at the script here. You have brought up a game that I have never heard of in my life. I don't even know what you're going to talk about. And that is so unique and rare to me. I am very curious, sir. Secret of Harrow Manor. What the fuck what is this um i actually i don't think i want to talk about this game on the show this oh week. shit plot um, twist plot twist oh yeah i well here's the thing um we've been recording for an hour we have about 45 minutes of banter banked we both have two more games we want to talk about or i have two more you have one more but i'm gonna cut this from the show this week because it's not important and i have a lot to say about the assembly so um, I'm going to switch gears into the assembly, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Totally fine. Sorry for the build-up, folks. Uh, got a little <laughs> surprise <laughs> drama plot twist in the script here. Okay, that's totally fine. I get you. Time concerns, you bet. Let's move on to the assembly with spoiler section. Uh, so, oh, wait. Maybe we should talk about this last then so people can nope <laughs> out. You want to do that or what do you want to do? Uh, yeah, we can talk about it last. It doesn't really matter. Um, and I only say that because I know that some people are really sensitive about spoilers, which is totally understandable. So maybe last and then they can just turn the show off and not miss miss anything. 
Yeah, cool. and I might in the future I might talk about Secret of Harrow Manor again, but long story short, that game's not really worth the build up we're talking about. Um, <laughs> oh, no. So I mean, it, it was going to be a case of me talking about the game not being very technically well done, but it's also a development team of like one person, so I don't want to be too too much of a jerk. But at the sure. same time, I think that there are things that need to be addressed. Uh, but I will skip it for now. Um, I'll talk about the assembly last, but I know that probably your, um, what's the word I'm looking for, headlining game, if you will, that you want to talk about, which is kind of a big release, is Starlink that you've been playing a lot. So I want to give you, you know, the time and space to discuss this game um, properly. So let's talk about that first. Okay, let's do that, and then we'll get to the assembly, and then we will, heads up, folks, we will be spoiling, uh, complete spoilers, right, for the assembly, everything? Uh, yes. Okay, so heads up. We, when we get to the assembly, we will give you another warning, but we will be doing, like, complete spoilers, so we'll give you a heads up before that. Uh, but for now, nothing to spoil on Starlink Battle for Atlas. This comes from Ubisoft. It is available on Switch, PS4, Xbox One. I don't think it's available for PC. I think it's just console only. This is a toys-to-life game. Yes, that's right. I said toys-to-life. Whoa, what? What's going on? What? <laughs> what is that, Brad? What I've is never that? heard of this genre. Where did it go? Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, you know, the genre popularized by Skylanders, which was quickly picked up by LEGO Dimensions, which was quickly picked up by, um, I mean, Amiibos, kind of. Uh, there's been a couple of the games that use the toys-to-life thing. Uh, so what this is is... It's basically like you are in an open galaxy. You can fly through space. You can go down to a planet from space. It's just really smooth and seamless. You're just in space. You fly down through the atmosphere. You get to the planet. You can fly around above the planet. You can land on the planet. And although you don't, you never get out of your ship. You're always in a ship. Uh, no, no character action here. But your ship can also transfer into kind of like um, like a hover mode where you're just like skimming above the surface of the ground and it kind of acts a little bit more like a car. So one of the big draws of this game is just the freedom to go around in this galaxy wherever you want. You can be skimming around on the ground, jumping with your car, driving around whenever you fucking feel like it. And with no limitations, you can <laughs> fly, get up in the air, fly around. If you feel like you want to go back into space, go back into space. If you feel like you want to go back on the ground, go back in the ground. Whatever. So it's very seamless, very cool. I like that a lot. It feels great to fly the ship around. There's, of course, um, dogfighting in space, which feels great. There is shooting and stuff on the ground, which also feels good. So mechanically and, and physically feels very good, tactilely positive. Um, unfortunately, this is an Ubisoft game, and they are just not where i want to be right now um this game is kind of a mess other than the the mechanical stuff ship combat ship feel space travel it's all perfectly dialed in but when it comes to the story uh it's like a bunch of random characters that you don't know who they are and you don't care about them talking at you all the time about stuff that you don't <laughs> understand constant chatter and it's in the middle of stuff it's like a pet peeve of mine i'm in the middle of a dog fight and somebody pops up and says oh blah 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 hey we got to go to this planet because blah 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 and i'm like what i'm killing people right now shut the fuck up wait till i'm done stop talking to me in the middle of me doing something because i cannot pay attention to it i can't hear what you're saying because there's explosions and lasers and i can't read the text because i'm getting shot so do not fucking talk to me when i am playing <laughs> knock it off and everybody talks to you in the middle of what you're doing it's fucking annoying <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't understand what the story's about. There's some kind of weird 
alien shit. Hey, there's a bunch of jargony names that we just made up and we're acting like you know what these are and we're not going to explain them very well and go do this thing and there's Legion and then there's this Ark stuff and there's this other stuff and get these resources and here's these other guys and there's new characters all the time and you don't know who they are and it's like, it's too much. Like, it's too fucking much. Like, they just throw so much at you. None of it lands. None of it means anything. None of it makes sense. You're just drowning in like too many characters, too much chatter, too much stuff, too much stuff. Um, the same thing goes for the mechanics. This is a toys to life game. And so what that means is they are producing actual physical toys, which go along with this game. Now, uh, Ubisoft sent me uh, a game for review. I'm in, I'm in the, middle, the middle of writing my review right now. But they sent me the Switch version. And so, like, they give you a little plastic cradle that you put your um, Joy-Cons in. And then there's a little peg on it. You can take a plastic model of a spaceship and click it onto the controller. And then there's a little piece to put the, the pilot onto. And then you can put some guns on it and you can change the guns around. And if you change the guns on your ship, the guns in the game change, like, as you're watching it. And you can change your ships around and stuff like that. If your ship blows up, instead of dying, you just simply grab another ship, which they assume you have bought, and put that on, and that'll be like your second life. Um, so they have you. They have a bunch of these plastic things to play with, and I, I got to be honest with you, it's fucking annoying, and I don't like the ships, and I think the toys is dumb. Um, not only is it expensive, they take up a lot of space, and they are cumbersome as fuck to use because you must have this big box of fucking toys next to you, and if you want to switch your guns because there's elements, which I think is dumb. Like some enemies are resistant to fire. So you need to equip your ice gun. Okay. Well, I will have to physically take the fire gun off of my fucking toy model, which is bolted to my controller and then look for the, the you know, look for the ice gun and then find the ice gun and click that onto the shit. It's a, it's a pain. It's a pain. Nobody wants to do that. It disrupts your gameplay, makes you stop playing when you're in the middle of playing. And the ironic thing, the really ironic thing is that it's possible to buy a digital version of the game which will give you digital versions of all the toys for like an extra like 20 bucks or something like that. So instead of buying six more starships for $12 a piece and 10 more guns for $6.99 a piece and more pilots for whatever, you can just pay $20 extra and get all that stuff preloaded into your game. And then all you got to do is hit pause and switch those things around and then keep going. No extra toys, no space taken up on your shelf. No shit to fuck with. I mean, the toys aspect is dumb. I don't like it. It's really cumbersome. <laughs> Too expensive. Just And especially if you're on the Switch version, you're not going to bring that shit with you. Um, so you can, you know, like they, they say you quote unquote scan your toys, which means you assemble a ship, put it on your controller. And then once you've done that once, the Switch will remember that you own that toy and will let you use that stuff for a week before you have to scan it again. But still, pain in the ass. Like who wants to do that? Uh, I, I am currently playing the digital version with all the stuff unlocked and it's like way better because all you have to do is pause, change your guns like any normal game and just keep playing. So the toy section is dumb. Uh, do not like that. I do not like how they've implemented that because all the guns feel the same, except one is red for fire. One is white for ice. One is purple for gravity. That's really the only difference. Uh, that whole aspect is dumb. It feels like they put it in there to sell toys, but I don't want to buy the toys. The toys are a pain in the ass. Uh, so this game is kind of a mess, but and this is, you know, grain of salt with this, folks. But I got the Switch version, and I knew ahead of time that the Switch version was the only version that had a special deal with the Nintendo. And they have Star Fox. The Star Fox character in this game and his ship, the R-Wing, 
is in this game also. So I expected that you would get an extra plastic model of the R-Wing. It would be an extra ship you could use. I expected Fox to be like a skin for one of the characters, whatever, no big deal. But actually, Fox is his own character in this game. He is in all the cutscenes. He interacts with the rest of the crew as if he is in the ship as a full character. He's got his own special storyline. All of the crew from Star Fox is here. So like Slippy the Toad and Peppy the Hare and Falco is there. And like the crew is there. You can call them in for special attacks. You can control the arming and you can be Star Fox the entire time if you want to be. And he talks to people. He, he engages in the conversations. He is fully a part of this game, which is mind blowing because <laughs> I totally thought it would be like, oh, I bought the Fox skin and that's it. I'm still playing this dumb game, but I'm just, you know, I look like Fox. No, no, no. He's literally in this game. He talks to everybody. He participates in the storyline. He's in the cutscenes. He's flying his trademark ship. And this is like, it's almost like a Star Fox game, which blows me away. I, my jaw was on the floor when I saw this. I'm like, how is this even happening? What is even going on? I don't even understand how much Fox is in this game. It is crazy. And the thing is, he's not in any of the other versions. He's not in the PS4 version. He's not in the Xbox One version. So I don't know what they do for those versions. But Fox, to me, feels like a really big part of this experience. And it's awesome to have him in here. Like, he is the best part of the game. I like Star Fox as a character. His ship is cool. I like playing as him. It's great. Um, but the game is a mess. The game is boring. Ubisoft falls down in the hole. Collect a million of these things. Collect all this money. Do these boring objectives that you don't want to do. It's the typical Ubisoft bullshit filler. But having Star Fox makes it cool, and his storyline is cool, and he's cool. So the game sucks. I don't like it. Um, but flying the ship is great. I think Fox is great. And if Ubisoft took this same engine, the same ship combat, got rid of all the Ubisoft stuff, and just left it as the Fox stuff, this would be the best Star Fox game like ever created in history. <laughs> it's bizarre. It is fucking bizarre, dude. I just... I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around it, and I don't want to recommend it. I mean, if you're a, a huge Star Fox fan, then you have to buy this game. But if you don't care about Star Fox, or, you know, that's not a thing for you, or you don't have a Switch or whatever, then I don't recommend this game. Like, it's boring, it's dull, the appeal of flying around wears off really quickly, and then you're just doing a bunch of busy work. So, it's tough for me to recommend this game, but I think the Star Fox stuff is awesome, and I really wish they would, like... Do this again. Do the whole thing. Just keep it the same. Change change a few things and just make it a Star Fox game. That would be a dope-ass game. So, anyway, bizarre, bizarre experience. Um, Corey, thoughts? This, I mean, first of all, just listening to you talk about the, like, the physical version versus the digital version versus getting the toys and strapping them on and you, or using the not toys and doing everything in the game. Like, this sounds like... Just like the release of the game sounds like the biggest fucking logistical nightmare I have ever heard in my life. Like, if the whole hook of the game is them trying to bring toys to life back and having these little gunships that you buy, that you have these toys that you put on the controller or whatever, and then them saying, oh, never mind, you can have this other version that doesn't have any of this at all. Like, that sounds all well and good, but it also sounds like kind of defeats the purpose of having them in the first place absolutely 100 percent. i don't understand why they pressed ahead with the actual toys i mean i don't see a lot of people buying toys to life these days all those other games kind of died and stopped 
and everybody's got a thousand figures that are clogging up their living rooms. I, <laughs> it just seems like, I mean, maybe they got this rolling before the fad died out and they just went ahead with it anyway, but it seems like a waste of time, a waste of money. And I would not, I mean, getting the, the Star Fox model is pretty cool. I mean, I like looking at it on my desk and that's fine, but like, I'm not going to go buy any more ships. I'm not going to buy any guns. I'm not going to buy any more pilots or anything. I'm not going to spend another dollar on this. And I don't want to. Like, it's it's weird, but these toys are 100% not necessary. You do not need the toys. You do not need to actually have them. You don't need to even use them. So, like, half of the game's gimmick is, like, rendered moot because you can just buy the digital version and play it like a regular game, which is strange. Yeah, and... I mean, and the other half, the Star Fox thing, like, it sounds super rad. Like, I haven't played a Star Fox, I think, since Star Fox 64, but that was, I mean, that game was the shit. It, like, introduced the Rumble Pack to the world, which, you know, in a stupid way sort of revolutionized controller vibration uh, forever. And I, uh, but it's it's weird having a tie-in like this, because whenever you were talking about this, I was sort of thinking about, um, I can't remember if it was... Like Mortal Kombat or Soul Calibur or some game, fighting game, where uh, for a while, for every system, it would have like one exclusive character. Like on PS4, you had uh, Jason from Friday the 13th, and on Nintendo, you had like Link or somebody. And But that's just like one skin and one character per, per console decision, however you decide to buy it. But the Star Fox thing seems like a massive change to the game that see i mean it seems like like it, like i love that it's there and it seems great and like the kind of the reason to buy it on switch but it seems like it's too big like like so the i'm assuming the other versions of the game are just like bullshit and this is such a massive undertaking to include a separate character in the game that is like nintendo specific that changes it so well it seems like like awesome but that it's too much and maybe like almost like a bad decision in a way even though it's like a great decision um i i it's so much it almost makes me wish that they had included a separate character for every console version sort of like whatever fighting game did it um i mean i don't know who would who would be in a space fighting game on the other games like kratos on the playstation 4 version (laughs) (laughs) and like master chief on the xbox version or something um because, like, that would be cool, but it just seems weird that they put so much effort into just the one version and then left the other ones in the dust, and that's it. Well, see, that's the weird thing, because, honestly, I don't think the game looks that great on Switch. I mean, it looks fine. It's fine. But I've played the other... Ver- I've seen the other versions. I saw the PS4 version. It looks way better than it does on Switch, because... I mean, let's just be honest. The Switch is Switch. Like, it, it, I don't think it's Forte is competing neck and neck with the bigger consoles. Like, I think it's got a niche that it does well, but I don't think doing huge 3D worlds is where it's at with the Switch. And so it doesn't look as good. And at first, I was kind of disappointed that I was playing the Switch version. But now that I've played it, like, the Switch version is the only version to get because you are missing <laughs> out on the best character in the game. And you're missing out on this cool extra side quest, which is very Star Fox side quest. They refer back to Star Fox's home planet. They talk about characters that you will know if you have played the Star Fox games. Like, it is like it is like a Star Fox game. It's fucking weird. So if you if you're thinking about playing this game, the Switch version is really the only version to get because you will be missing out with those other versions, which is crazy. Um, but you know it's weird because Nintendo and Ubisoft seem to be getting closer and closer and closer. I mean, the Rabbits have been one of the 
most prevalent games on Nintendo hardware for a while. There's a bunch of Rabbids games, and I think Rabbids are trash, but they're still there. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Ubisoft has been supporting Nintendo. And then they did Donkey... Uh, not Donkey Kong. Why did I say Donkey Kong? Mario vs. Rabbids, which was a joint effort between Ubisoft and Nintendo, which was a great game. Legitimately a great game. I hate the Rabbids. They fucking suck. But that game was actually a great game. And then here, they're in bed with Nintendo again. This is, like, legit, like the next Star Fox game. And so... I kind of wish that they had just focused on that and leaned into it a little bit harder and just said this is a Star Fox game rather than trying to do this whole, well, you get Star Fox over here, but you don't get him over here, and I don't think there's anything to replace him over here, and it's it's bizarre. It's really bizarre, but I wish they would just lean into it harder and just make it a straight-up Nintendo thing rather than doing what they did. And, you know, on top of that, like, the toys confuse the whole thing. It's, just, it's a weird game. It's a weird rollout. It's a weird place to be. But, I mean truth is stranger than fiction man i wouldn't have imagined anything <laughs> like this beforehand but here we are hmm, maybe this will i don't know it seems positioned in a way to also to suck in a lot of like holiday buyers like i could see parents going to target or wherever best buy and saying and seeing it and thinking oh this looks great for my kids or this looks like a game they would play or something like that so i don't know maybe they'll get extra dollar for holiday sales or something like that yeah, I mean, it must be. It must be. Although I wonder how many parents out there were bitten by the Skylanders bug and are like, I'm not doing that again. Fucking no <laughs> way. Because, uh, I mean, honestly, there's been a bunch of people who I've talked to who said they were interested in the game because they like space games, but they do not want to get into Toys to Life. And so I think that with the messaging being kind of unclear at the launch, like I think everybody thought you needed the toys, myself included. Um they need to get the messaging out. I mean, otherwise this game is not going to go anywhere because everybody thinks that you need toys and no one wants to buy toys anymore. So I don't blame them. I mean, that was expensive. took up a lot of room. It was a hassle. And then the game stops and then you got these toys you can't do nothing with. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it's weird. This is a weird fucking game. I can't recommend it. But if you are a Star Fox fan, then I do recommend it. But <laughs> it's not really a great game either way. So I don't even know what to even say about it. So... Uh, I will say in, in closing that I am going to review the game before finishing it. I just can't put any more time into it because I'm bored with it. Uh, but I really enjoyed the Star Fox stuff a lot. And if they came back with just Star Fox, I would do it again. But as it is, I don't think it's a great game and I don't recommend it. And uh, hopefully a sequel will take the good parts and just make them that much better. So there you go. Don't want to give anybody a false idea of what I thought about the game. But there you go. Uh, that was starlink battle for atlas which is currently on switch ps4 xbox one but really the switch version is the only version to get even though it looks worse Corey, yeah. the assembly i bought this game i don't remember much about it i don't even know why i bought it i don't know what happened i think i just spent six dollars one day and then there we go but you have played the assembly uh which i guess you will tell us about and you are about to spoil the hell out of it is that correct <laughs> Well, I mean, really, I just want to talk about the ending at a certain point because I think it does a cool thing at the ending. Um, so, I mean, so obviously that'll spoil, like, the very end. So, um, yeah, if you're not interested in hearing spoilers on the assembly, I'm going to talk about general stuff at first, but toward the end of the discussion, I'll talk about the ending. And, of course, I'll say when I'm going to talk about the ending. So um, if you don't want to hear anything about the assembly because you're thinking about playing it or whatnot, I would exit now. I'll put the time in the show notes. I will also give another warning when I want to talk about the ending stuff. I'll put that time in the show notes so that you can be prepared uh, to talk about the ending stuff. But yes, I will march forth with info on the assembly. All right, man. Tell us where you're playing it. Tell us what it's all about and fill us in on the assembly. Well, the assembly is 
I had seen it on the PSN store, and every time I looked at it, it said it was for PSVR. And I, of course, I don't have PSVR, so I thought it looked interesting, but I obviously never bought it because I didn't have VR on PlayStation 4. But now that I have an HTC Vive, um, it was I put it on the wish list for on Steam to see if it would ever go on sale, and Patrick ended up just buying it. I don't even think it was on sale. Um, he must have just feel, been feeling particularly nice on a certain day. I just bought it. Um, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what the reason was, but I'm happy because I got to play it. So the assembly is a first-person uh, VR. Ed- you can play it not in VR, which I didn't realize until like a few minutes ago when I was looking at the Steam page for it, but it was built for VR. So it is a first-person game built for VR, but uh, you can... I mean, I don't see any reason why you couldn't play it in VR, but I did enjoy it in VR. So you play as two different characters... You play as Dr. Madeline Stone. You also play as Dr. Caleb Pearson, who goes by Cal for most of the game. Um, And it's cool because this is kind of a half walking sim, half puzzle game where there's this... uh, kind of like shadowy, sciencey organization. I guess they're called The Assembly. I'm assuming that's why the game is called The Assembly, but I don't know if they ever refer to themselves as The Assembly because it's kind of a cheesy name. But it's kind of like an off-the-grid, sciencey, um, like laboratory building thing. I don't know where it is. It looks like it's on Mars or something because it looks like it's at this like crazy underground facility like in the middle of a desert. Um, and they recruit these like really high-profile, brilliant scientists. They take them there. They put them through a series of trials in order to uh, sort of measure different facets of you know their psyche or their morality or their intelligence or what have you, in order to <coughs> excuse me, in order to make sure that they're really cut out to do the job there. But they're kind of shady. I mean, it's kind of like your classic sort of video game or movie plot where, you know, it's a science organization that's off the grid. They can, like, operate above and beyond society. They're not really held by any standards of, like, the CDC or, like, FEMA or whoever, the government. So they can, like, you know, make these, like, breakthroughs for, I don't know, like, cancer research or whatever they want to research without having to worry about, like... I don't know, the government shutting them down or having to do all these clinical trials or whatever. So half the game, you play as Madeline Stone, and she is being recruited to work for the Assembly, but because they're so top secret, after you, like, apply to work there, they basically, like, kidnap you and take oh, you. I know it sounds silly. It sounds <laughs> it ridiculous. It's the worst job interview ever. No, thank yeah, you. And so, and so, like, half the game is kind of her job interview. Like, they kidnap her. Um, her background is uh, her mom was also a doctor. Her mom was dying from some kind of disease. I can't remember if they say what it is in the game. And Madeline Stone takes it upon herself to do some, like, experimental research in order to try to save her mom. And she had an understanding with her mom that you know, this could go horribly wrong or I might be able to save your life, but you only have six months to live or something like that. So they're both on board. Well, her dad, I think it was her dad, um, sort of like um, upended that for her and didn't really agree with what they were doing. And I think he kind of sold her out or he reported her or something. And basically her career went up in flames because of this whole scenario Um, because she was doing this, like, experimental research. Well, the Assembly got a hold of what they were doing, and they expanded upon it. 
she apparently applied for a job there. They kidnap her, as you know, any science organization does. Uh, kidnap her, take her to the secret base, and then half the game is her getting run through these trials. And it's very her section of the game is very puzzle gamey. Because you walk into a room and it's this big room. There's like an overseer up in this glass room on the ceiling. And they say, you know, here's a puzzle. Um, here's the sort of thing you have to do, uh, figure it out. And for some of them, it's kind of just like moving cubes around and stuff like that. Like very sort of, um, I don't know, just like tactical physics puzzles kind of things, which are fine. But there's some that I think are really interesting where there's like one in particular where you are at this like, it's like a, it's kind of like a dinner theater, like murder mystery thing. And you're in this room and there's all these people sitting at the table, but it's mannequins of people. It's not real people. They're just there to represent people. And you, the, each of them has a tape recorder in front of them and you have to listen to each of their statements. And there's one person that got killed at the murder mystery and the, the, his mannequin has like two knives in his back. So you take the knives, you listen to everybody's, um, you know, sort of statements, if you will, and hear about their backgrounds. And then each one of them represents a different profession. And there's like a booth behind them that sort of represents their workspace. And you have to like lo look at their computer and look at evidence. And, you know, if they have maybe one of them has a briefcase that you open and it has like a secret tape recorder in it and you listen to a statement and you have to like figure out it's kind of like a whodunit murder mystery thing. And you have to figure out who was planning the murder against the person who got murdered and, like, I thought that was really fascinating because you really have to think about it a lot and really have to, like, put all the pieces together and stuff like that. So half the game is hers, and then they alternate chapters. The other half is Cal Pearson's, and he is already a scientist working at the assembly. And he has discovered that there is some potentially life-threatening, but, like, on a pretty big scale, research going on that are that has been sort of greenlit to be trialed out in the world and it could be putting people at risk. And so he has sort of a moment of, you know, moral, I don't know, like his moral compass has shaken and he decides that he's going to try to gather as much evidence as he can from the inside and get out and report it to the CDC. So half of it's puzzle, half of it is pretty much just like straight up walking simulator. And I remember saying this whenever I talked about Kona a long time ago, but this game, and you're going to roll your eyes so hard, oh, they're probably going to get stuck. Oh, God. I this game, coming. the thing that I love about this game is that this is a perfect example of a looking through people's shit simulator. Oh, God. And I am all here for it because you're, like, walking down these cool, like, futuristic hallways. You're, like, looking through people's offices. I know it sounds so stupid, and I cannot believe I like these kind of games. And I cannot believe that people listen to me talk about these kind of games because it sounds so boring. But you're, like, looking through people's offices. You're looking through their computers. It's very, like, deus exe in that way where you're, like, reading their emails. You're looking through their drawers. Um, there's some, like, side quests that happen. Like, there's one guy that you find, and he's having sort of, like, this kind of, like, seizure thing on his bed. Because the people who work there, they have, like, a suite where they live there, too. They don't really get to leave campus. And he's sort of having this weird, like, seizure in his room, and you find out that the research he's doing is about, like, a neural chip that alters your mood. And he, like, fucked it up, and he's, like, doing, not doing well, and he's, like, kind of passing out, but kind of seizing on the bed. And so you can go, like, find the remote for it if you snoop around enough, and you can bring it back and, like, dial his, uh, his mood back to where it's supposed to be and sort of reach its equilibrium and save him. But it's totally optional. Like, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But there's, like, little stuff like that sprinkled in. So, like, half of it is her puzzles, and half of it is him 
exploring different levels of the facility, um, talking to people. There's no combat or anything, and there's not really like a dialogue system. Like sometimes you just overhear people or you talk on the phone to people um, and you're looking for, I guess, trying to gather as much evidence as you can in order to try to figure out how to get off campus and get and report the stuff to the CDC because he believes that the assembly has become a threat to, I guess, the greater mankind um, and is trying to, I guess, report it. And I know this probably sounds really lame, but I really, really like this game. And I, it's maybe the only VR game, maybe like this and budget cuts, which I talked about a while ago, where I, anytime I'm not playing it, I kind of want to be playing it. Like I would get home from work and be like, oh yeah, I can't wait to get back into the assembly tonight and kind of see what the next chapter is. And because it's divided up into chapters that go back and forth between his story and her story, um, and they do intersect at a certain point in the game and not very much, but it's like just enough to kind of like give them a little more depth. Um, I it's It makes it a good a good way to get out. Like you finish a chapter and you're like, all right, that was enough for tonight. I'll put the headset down, you know, I'll go to bed or whatever, but it's just like a good game to get in. You play each one of their chapters for maybe 45 minutes and then you put the game down and then you go do whatever else you want to do. So it's split up well in a way. And I want to talk about the ending stuff, but before I do, um, I want to open the floor so that you can talk shit about whatever you want to say about the genre or ask me, uh, I don't know, questions about why I like this kind of stuff or whatever. <laughs> uh, I know why you like it. <laughs> I know that this is your jam. I know you love looking through people's shit. And if you ever come to my house, I'm not leaving you unsupervised because <laughs> you will know all my secrets within a few hours. Not going to happen. Um, so I know that this is your jam. Not my jam because I think looking at documents is boring. I can't do it. But what you're saying about this game does sound pretty interesting, and I actually have already bought it. I bought the flat version um, a while ago. I don't know why I did, but I did. And it sounds interesting. I mean, I think the... I mean, number one, is there ever been a science lab that is actually on the grid? I think all science labs are required <laughs> to be off the grid. I don't, don't think I've ever heard of one that's above board and doing things in a safe way. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, and just the premise of like, hey, I want to work at your job. Okay, we're going to kidnap your ass and let's see if you can hang. <laughs> that sounds tough. That sounds very rough. I mean, that interesting, though. Um, so I'm not usually down with these games, and I'm not super down with, like, looking through people's stuff. But, like, what you're describing does sound pretty interesting from just, like, a premise standpoint. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of curious uh, kind of curious where this is going. So and I, this makes perfect sense to me. I can understand why you would like this, and I do appreciate when a game has a good stopping point. That is something that is really an art form when you can let the player go without making them feel like they're in the middle of something or they can, you know, maybe you haven't finished the game, but you finished a chunk. And so you can walk away feeling good about what you did. That is an art form. I think more developers need to get on board with that because that feels great. Makes you leave the game with a good feeling. You're probably more willing to come back to it because you know, it'll let you go in a friendly way. So I'm all for that. I like hearing about that. So, I mean, no questions other than that. I do kind of want to see what else you have to say though. So we should probably, Throw down that spoiler warning, and then you want to talk about the end game? Uh, yeah, so if you're planning on playing this or if what I've said has appealed to you and you're interested um, but don't want to hear about the ending, please bail now. I will put show time stamps in the show notes about, uh, you know, basically for now to say this is when we're talking about it. I'll put a, sh- a time stamp for when we're done talking about it. Uh, and this is the last game we're talking about, so we'll be doing our closing stuff and then banter later if you want to come back for that. But uh, please bail if you don't want to hear about the ending in this game because I want to talk about it because I think it's pretty interesting. 
Um, so without further ado, uh, ending game stuff. So, um, so a few things that I like and don't like. Um, the ending, her ending, Madeline Stone's ending, I'm a little bit less hot on because her entire experience of the game is doing all these like puzzles and all these sort of trials and talking to the director of the assembly because she's kind of frustrated through the whole experience. I mean, rightfully so because who like kidnaps you for a job interview. So she's kind of like, what are you guys doing? I'm tired of doing these tests. Like, what is the meaning of this? But she pushes on through it. But the end sort of like the last maybe two or three puzzle areas for her. And they're pretty rapid. Um, it kind of, her story kind of devolves into almost like a fallout esque, like moral choice thing where you walk in a room and the director, you know, there's like two hospital beds and the director's like, all right, pretend you have, a child in the left bed and she, I don't know, has a kidney disease and she has her whole life ahead of her and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, in the right bed, there is a war veteran who is doing work for PTSD. He's one of the leading, uh, you know, authorities on PTSD in the country, but he's like 75. He might not live a whole lot longer, but he needs this kidney transplant. You only have one kidney. Who do you give it to? Like, it's it's that kind of thing. Oh, my and God. I played a game where I literally played that exact challenge. Like, literally <laughs> that exact thing. But go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I mean, this is like the kind of thing that's been used. I mean, I've seen this sort of thing in a lot of different games. And it's kind of a shame to me that after sort of like her cool puzzle stuff, this is what it devolves into as sort of like this, like, oh, like hard moral choice thing. And to be honest, I actually did have to like stop and think about them for a while. Like, do I want to save the girl? Do I want to save the old guy? Like, what do I, I'm not really sure what I would do in this scenario. And then like you get to another one and there's one where there's like a baby and it's like, and this isn't uh, hypothetical. Like there's literally like a baby in this sort of like incubator type thing in front of you. And the moral choice is something like, oh, you know, we have an experimental thing that could maybe save the baby, but she might not live past, I don't know, like seven or eight years old, or we can cryogenically freeze the baby and wake it up if we ever find a cure, but we don't know if we'll ever find a cure, but maybe we will and you can freeze her. So that's like another choice you have to make. There's another choice that I'm not going to spoil that's like a lot more personal to Madeline's story and... Um, it's another one that you have to make. It's kind of dangerous, but it is what it is. Um, wait, 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 wait. Don't go any further. I want to know what did you pick for both of those situations? Don't spoil Madeline's, but with the baby and with the uh, the kidney, what did you do for those situations? Um, the kidney, I gave it to the war veteran because he was doing PTSD work. I wasn't really drawn in by his like veteran status, but they were talking about how he was one of like the leading um, authorities on PTSD, and I'm a big believer in you know mental health and everything. And, you know, awareness for that. So I thought, sure, I'll give it to him. And with the girl, this sounds really terrible, but, with, like, for the young girl, I was like, okay, she's only, like, seven, so, like, she hasn't really done anything, so I guess I'll just let her die. Like, her parents could just have another baby. That's the horrible way that I thought <laughs> oh, about that. Oh, but, we are going to get fan mail over that I mean, one. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I had to make a choice. Um, I'm trying to get my ass into the assembly, so I have to make the hard choices. And so that was sort of how I rationalized it. But I did I did think about that one for a long time because I thought, well, this guy's old. Like, he's going to die pretty soon. And 
you know, maybe it's not worth saving him because he's already, like, lived his whole life. And then I thought about it on the other end, and I was like, well, this girl's, like, young, and she hasn't really done anything. And, yeah, it sucks, like, you have to kill somebody, but obviously the game's not going to let you go forward without killing one of them. So I figured I would let the guy who has, like, kind of a leading authority in something continue his work uh, rather than let him die so that this girl can grow up to do... I mean, maybe she wouldn't do anything that would benefit society. Who knows? Um... So, yeah, I let the girl die. And for the baby, the cryogenic thing or the cure thing, um, I froze the baby. I was like, yeah, we can freeze her. Like, that's fine. Um, I didn't really have to think about that one at all. I thought that was a cool idea to let, give you the option to freeze the baby. Uh, maybe there'd be a cure in the future, and that would be that. Um, so, yeah, I kept the veteran alive, and I froze the baby. <laughs> that is interesting because I think I would have chosen the exact opposite of both of your choices. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably why we make a good team for this podcast. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, so getting back on track, uh, there's a couple more choices, et cetera, et cetera, and then what happens? Um, well, at, at the end of her story, it basically turns into a um, – we're going to offer you this job. Do you want to take it? And then I think you can say yes or no. You also can decide there's like a funding that's involved and you can decide what you want to put the funding toward. Um, and of course I accepted the job cause that's kind of like the whole reason I was there. Um, and they kind of tell you, I think they tell you that if you don't accept the job, they basically brainwash you and send you back home. So you like forget everything that you went through. Um, of cause I mean, of course they do. Like, why wouldn't they do that? Um, and so I took the job and the kind of shitty thing is that her story ends there. So it's like, yeah, I went through all these trials. I'm taking the job and then boom, like the credits roll for her. So I could definitely see this. I, w I would like there to be another one of these games and I didn't realize it, but it came out in July of 2016. So the game is like almost two and a half years old. And so, I mean, they're, I, who knows if they're going to make a sequel at this point, but I like what it's doing and I like the visual design and I like everything that's going on. But the more interesting ending I think is Cal's because he is trying to get this info out. Um, he's trying to gather all the data. He's basically trying to like dodge scientists and, you know, manipulate them into getting him off site and everything and kind of by like blackmailing them. But it turns out that toward the end of his adventure, um, you go to sort of like the central hub of the station of this research center. And the person, I think it was the person who had told him, one of his colleagues who had told him about the experimental stuff that was going on was actually, you might roll your eyes at this, was actually this like AI core that's in the research center that is trying to tip him off in order to get the information out. And so you go to the AI core and it turns out that, and it's kind of like, um, I don't know. I mean, it's like a, it's like a sentient machine in a way. And you get to the AI core and you can, the people that had been working on the AI core had taken some of its like emotional like drives out. So you have to go and retrieve the drives and then you can manipulate it in different ways. And they have this whole like whiteboard next to it that talks about if you use the A drives, he'll be um, overly emotional or something like that. And then if you use the B drives, it's very logistical and very robotic and doesn't really care about the human experience and just is there to get the job done. And if you use the C drives, then it, I can't remember what the C drive one was, but I think it's like the most human-like because the AI's behavior might be more erratic and not necessarily rational. And, and it, there's a puzzle involved too. So I wasn't sure exactly like how to do it, but I ended up getting uh, the ro the AI core so that whenever I rebooted it and activated it, 
um, the the point of rebooting him is that you're trying to get him to let you to authorize you to take a truck off site. And whenever I rebooted him, the robot was kind of funny. He was very much like, like, yeah, you can take the truck. I don't care. Like, he, like the human experience is beneath me. I don't care what you guys want to do. I'm just here to run the assembly. And yeah, you can take the truck because why do I care? Like, I'm a sentient robot and I don't care about humans. Basically, it was kind of like, which I thought was pretty funny. And so the game kind of gave me the clearance to go forth and take the truck and, you know, get the info to the CDC or whatever. So I'm, like, leaving the assembly area, and there's, like, one last airlock before I have to get out. And, like, whenever the airlock closes, uh, the robot AI comes over the speaker and is basically like, yeah, I lied to you. I'm going to kill you right now, and you're not getting off site. And I was, like, floored because I thought I was in the clear. I thought I was doing the right thing. And I get to, like, the last airlock of the game, and the robot, like, suffocates him in the airlock. And his story ends with his death, which is, like really intense, but I, and this kind of brings me back to thinking about the council that you were talking about earlier, because it's like a decision you make in the assembly that I thought at the time was the only decision you could make. And I mean, it occurred to me that you could do the other, the other emotional drives to make the robot or to make the AI act a certain way. But I thought like once there was only maybe one solution to it, but apparently if you reprogram him a different way, you can actually get off site and, you know, sort of like complete Cal's mission. So I, and I'm all about like bittersweet endings and kind of like not happy endings. So whenever I got to the thing, to the airlock and I was like, yeah, I got it. I'm going to get off. I'm going to get this hard drive out of here. We're going to go. And then the AI core like was like, nope, never mind. Like you're beneath me. I'm going to kill you right now because I'm not going to let you, you know, go against the wishes of the assembly. I thought that was a really like kind of incredible and slightly jaw-dropping ending for me. So, uh, and you can go back and replay the chapter. So I'm going to go back and play it again and see if I can get like the good ending, quote unquote. But I just thought that was a really clever way to end the game by giving you full control over reprogramming the AI. And if you think you're in the clear, you're not necessarily in the clear. And then the tables can turn on you at the last minute and you will fail your mission. Interesting, interesting. Well, I think the takeaway is never trust sentient AI. You got to unplug those fuckers first. <laughs> Erase those hard drives and put them in their place because, yes, humanity. Uh, interesting. Well, it sounds very interesting. I mean, I probably won't play it for a while because I'll probably give myself like six months to forget what you said and kind of go through it. But uh, I mean, I do own this and it does sound, it sounds better than the average walking simulator. It sounds like there's a little more to it. And I do enjoy. Um, games that do like the scientific angle or have the AI angle. I mean, that's a, that's an element that I think is usually interesting to explore. So it sounds sounds pretty good. I think I will. De- I mean, no, I already own it, so I didn't have to even worry about buying it. But uh, I will. I will probably yeah get to it. I it's funny because I was actually thinking of I was of playing a walking sim ish game recently. Like I think I should probably. I haven't played one for a while, so I'm gonna queue one up. And I was thinking of maybe I would do. I think that was one of the ones I had, I was thinking about. Although I was thinking about doing Soma. I was thinking about doing uh, Amnesia. I was thinking about doing Anamorphine, which we talked about a couple shows ago. Thinking about doing The Invisible Hours. So, like, one of those... I can only play one because I just need more action in my games in general, and so I don't play a lot of those walking sims. But that one is definitely in the running. It sounds interesting. So I I will bump it up on my list of walking sims. (laughs) I would recommend not playing Amnesia and... I think, I don't know if Soma would be too scary for you, but Soma is the best out of that group. Would you not recommend Amnesia because it's too scary? 
I think it's too scary and I think it's too dated at this point. Everything Amnesia does, Soma does better. And Soma has an actual story that's interesting and kind of really depressing and sad in a good way. So I would recommend Soma a thousand times over Amnesia if you were like to pick, if those were like your last two that you were trying to decide which one to play. Um, yeah, Soma is definitely the best. And they're by the same company, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Okay, so that's good information because I do own Soma already. And that one was actually already ahead of Amnesia, but... I just listened to a podcast where they were talking about Penumbra. Have you ever played Penumbra? Mm, yeah, that was the game they did before Amnesia, correct? Uh, yes, exactly so. So I listened to the show about Penumbra. Uh, shout out to uh, Watch Out for Fireballs. Love that show. Uh, they went <laughs> through that whole game, and I'm like, man, that sounded pretty interesting. I'm glad I didn't play it, but it sounds interesting. And that kind of got me in the mood to play one of these. And I'm like, well, I have Amnesia, but I haven't played it. And then I'm like, yeah, but I got Soma and I haven't played that one either. Yeah, but I got all these other ones that I haven't played. So <laughs> one of these fuckers is going down. I don't know which one, but you're making a pretty good case for Soma. So maybe I'll jump into that one first. Did you play or have you bought um, uh, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch? I did play it and I bought it and I, do, I did not care for it. I did not oh, think it was very man. good. Oh, man. That's really... A shame because I know like you. I know you like best. it. I know you like it. I just I really didn't care for that game at all. I thought parts of it were quite good, but only parts. Like I think it didn't come together as a whole for me, and I generally just didn't like it very much um, for various reasons. But I did. I did like parts of it, but no, not my favorite one. I know that one gets a lot of love. I know you like it. Basically, everybody in the world I know loves that game, but I just it just really didn't click with me. So that's okay though. They can't all be winners. Um, but I, I, you're making a good case for Soma, so maybe once I wrap up what I'm doing now, that I can see myself playing that a little bit at a time. How long is that game, by the way? Um, I want to say like six to ten hours, something like that. Okay, so that's that's pretty doable. I'm I'm definitely leaning more towards like the short side of things these days, and six hours is pretty reasonable for something which I assume is a pretty heavily story based experience, right? Yeah, and also uh, if you played it, would you do it in safe mode with the monsters off? I would do it with the monsters off, yes. That was actually one of the main reasons why I bought it was because I knew that I'm scared of games and I don't like to play spooky games. But with the monsters turned off, I'm like, that sounds like something that I could probably hang with. I could probably do that. That might be okay, and I could get through it. So that's kind of my plan. All right, that sounds like a good plan, I think. All right, cool, cool, cool. You have just, you have just basically sold me on that, so I'm going to bump that up, and I will probably get to that sooner rather than later. So expect me to talk about that. Uh, soonish, soonish, and no promises. But, you know, <laughs> soonish. Ish, I cannot ish. wait for you to come back and talk about how much you don't like it. That's what's going to happen here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of people give it some love, man. So I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if it was good. I would be. I would be totally okay if it was fine. And I do like these once in a while. I just. I just can't do too many of them, and they got to be really good. Like you know, like Tacoma, for example. I love Tacoma. I thought Tacoma was awesome, and that was like you know basically kind of a walking sim with a twist. And I thought that was really really good. And. Uh, there's been a few other ones I liked. I basically liked um, Firewatch for the most part. That was okay. and So I'm not against them. I just, I got to be in the mood and I got to find the right one. So this sounds like a winner though. Anyway, we're getting far afield. We were actually talking about The Assembly. Uh, so that is the game. And anything else or should we wrap it up? Uh, I think we can wrap it up. Sounds good to me. I'm going to go make a sandwich after this. So let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right, well, after that uh, hearty games discussion, that brings us to the end of episode 102. Uh, remember, you can stick around after the ending music if you want to hear tonight's banter. Uh, otherwise, feel free to bail, and we'll catch you next week for episode 103. 
Uh, in the meantime, if you have any feedback, any thoughts, any games you want us to play, any questions, um, we've had a pretty good Q&A streak lately, so if you have any questions, we always answer them on the show, uh, anything like that. Um, one way you can get in contact with us is via email. Our email address is sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us on the Game Critics website whenever the show goes live there. There's a comment section under every, uh, every article, everything that goes up on Game Critics. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We are on Twitter as a collective show, at SoVideoGames on Twitter. And believe it or not, you can reach us individually on Twitter as well. Um, and on Instagram, because our usernames are the same. And I've been saying this the past couple shows, uh, my username is also the same on Twitch. Um, I uh, streamed some more Deus Ex Human Revolution last night. And at like 2 o'clock in the morning, because I didn't have anything better to do, and I was just playing video games for a little while, and I thought, why not turn on... Um, Twitch, and I didn't put a camera or mic on, I just played the game and that was it. And I actually had a guy watch my stream last night for about two hours, and he loved Deus Ex, and he was looking specifically for a Deus Ex stream to watch before he went to bed, and he was chatting with me during the entire thing, and it was such a pleasant experience. Interesting, interesting. Um, so you were talking the whole time, and no camera, but you were kind of just voicing over, like, so what were you doing? Because I didn't watch that stream. Uh, were you like... Hey, I'm gonna pick up this item now. Hey, I'm gonna go. Like, what were you, like? What, how did that go for you? Like, what were you? No, saying? I didn't. I didn't even have a microphone on. I wasn't doing any voiceover, so I, it was just gameplay. But he, like, in the chat box under the show, we were just typing messages to each other. Um, so that was the main way we communicated. Is he would just like say some stuff in the chat box, and whenever I stream on Twitch, I have the I keep the Twitch app open on my phone, so I will type messages for the chat box on my phone, but I will keep playing it on the PC because I don't have a good like plugin for chatting on the PC. Um, so that was what we were doing basically. Like he was talking about what sections of the game he liked. I was talking about what sections of the game I liked, and. The nice thing is he was, like, offering a couple of little tips here and there, and he wasn't being, like, too mansplaining about anything, which was nice, but I wanted to be, like, like, okay, like, do you know who you're talking to, guy? Like, You were talking I have... to the foremost world, Western yeah. world expert of Deus Ex. Like, I actually made this game <laughs> in my heart, so. Yeah, like, you know, you're talking to somebody who has a half-sleeve tattoo, like, designated for this game um which and the other thing is i was playing it on pc and it's actually my first time playing through all of it on pc so i probably didn't look like the most professional because i don't play on mouse and keyboard as well on uh on anything as i do with a controller so you know i was a little bit clumsy and i was setting off a few alarms here and there but it was nothing i couldn't control um but yeah sorry i'm getting off topic long story short i streamed last night and it was nice and pleasant and if you want to follow me on twitch you can do that there but um if you want to follow me there instagram twitter whatever have you my username is my first and last name Corey motley c-o-r-e-y-m-o-t-l-e-y and brad also has a great social media presence on twitter and instagram uh, brad would you like to give your username out as well Yep, it's the same for both uh, outlets. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. Excellent. All A's, no O's every time. Um, and I think that's it. Brad, do you have any closing remarks before we sign off? No, that's it. As always, thanks for listening. Glad to have you aboard. Corey, always a pleasure to talk to you, and I think we should probably do this again next week. <laughs> I think we'll definitely do this again next week. Sounds good to me, man. Uh, so I guess that's the end of another SVG. It's true, it's true, the end of episode 102. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 103. But until then, this is bye from Corey. 
And I almost said bye from Corey as well. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> that's that's me saying goodbye on Corey's behalf, even though he literally just said it. Don't know why I wanted to say that. That was weird. Uh, low blood sugar, perhaps. I don't know. But in, in reality, this is also a bye from Brad. And we will <laughs> see you next time. Yes. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. of stuff to talk about. I mean, do you have something you want to get off your plate first? Or how, how's your banter meter today? Are you in the red, yellow, green? How are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm like pretty deep yellow. I only have like one little thing to talk about, so not a whole lot. Okay, do your thing first, and then I'll unroll all of my bullshit. I got like a mountain of it, so go ahead. I am just shocked to hear that you have a mountain of banter <laughs> and yet you have a mountain of games as well to talk about i got nothing so. to talk about Corey. i never got anything to talk about oh it's a trouble it's, it's problems every every week every week i don't know what i'm gonna talk about on the show this week and then you send me an email with 10 games in it and i'm like okay all right here we go burning the midnight oil for this show everything ah, for this show man Okay, well, this week, so this weekend, which we're still currently in at this moment, um, I thought that this was going to be, this story is probably going to, it's gonna kind of a downer story, so just prepare yourself, but there's some heartwarming bits uh, throughout it. Oh, God. It. Oh, am I going to go on an emotional journey? Because I'm not prepared for that. Uh, I didn't. Not like entirely. It's just like a little bit of some stuff. Um, oh God. Okay. Go ahead. I'm nervous, but go ahead. No, this is like it, this is like a light downer. It's not like All nobody right, like right. died or anything. Um, so I've been looking forward to this weekend for a while because one of my really good parkour friends who lives he technically lives about three hours away, but he is often in Baton Rouge, which is about an hour and a half away. I, that's where he grew up, I think. So. He, like, goes to school about three hours away, and then pretty much every weekend he comes back to Baton Rouge to uh, be with his girlfriend, because they've been together for years, so they're, like, pretty serious, and um, and I guess see his parents sometimes and stuff. So they've been... His girlfriend's birthday was, like, last week, I think, um, or earlier this week, maybe. Or, no, it must have been last week, because this is Sunday, so it's a new week. I don't know why I'm arguing the semantics of weeks right now, and it's not important to the story, but um, they were coming... <laughs> I don't know why I do this. They were coming Corey in town got a Corey. For, Corey got a Corey. Uh, <laughs> so they, they wanted to come in town to do stuff for her birthday this weekend, and I've known about this for a couple of weeks now, I think, and so I was, like, really pumped to have them in town, because... Uh, like the guy is probably, I don't want to like overstate things, but he's probably like my favorite person I've met since I came to Louisiana. Um, he's just like a really cool guy and he's not like he and I share very similar tastes and things just like in, in general, like in movies or, and the way we behave. Cause we're both pretty laid back. We're both. Like, we both have things that we're passionate about. Like, he does a lot of video work. I mean, pretty much every parkour guy that's in Louisiana also does, like, video work. But he, he's not, like... <laughs> the thing that I like about him is that he's not, like, constantly pushing stuff that he's created down your throat. Like, he's just sort of like, hey, I made this thing... And he doesn't like put out videos a lot, so it feels more special when he makes videos or something. Like he make a, he made a video of the Atlanta trip we went on, 
a few months ago, and he shot the entire thing using an infrared lens on his camera. So, Ooh. which I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy and kind of hokey, but it's actually like the way he executed it is really well done. And it's like because it's an infrared, everything is kind of like white in because we shot during the day. It wasn't like a night vision infrared thing, but like everything looks kind of like white in. The video and it's just really well done and I really like I, I value the way that he shoots and edits he's very smart and um, he's just a really good guy and I really like him an awful lot and uh God, and there's so, like a lot of build up to this thing man you're, you're stressing me out well <laughs> and so I was waiting for them to come into town and they had like they got an Airbnb and it was like her and him and like six of her friends and they were all coming in town I, I don't know if they all live in Baton Rouge but they all came over to New Orleans and they were basically going to spend all weekend kind of doing stuff. And Friday night was supposed to be like the dinner night. And then we weren't really sure if we were going to do anything else on Friday night. And then Saturday night was going to be more of like the going out and, you know, like bar hopping or whatever she wanted to do, whatever they wanted to do night. And so Friday night I go out and I'm preparing for the worst. And by the worst, I mean like a night out, like, you know, stumbling to an Uber to get home and maybe throwing up and, I we go out to dinner on Friday night and we go to this cool kind of like jazzy live music restaurant place downtown called BB Kings and it was the first time I had been there um, and it was pretty cool and we went and got dinner and then we left and I think that they didn't really want to do a whole lot and plus, well our dinner reservations weren't until like 9 p.m. so I felt like a proper old man at that point because I was like oh my god <laughs> the night's not even starting until 9 like what's going on here and so by the time like we got there and we <clears throat> ate and we listened to the live band and everything uh, it was probably about 11-ish um, whenever we left and they were just kind of ready to go back to the Airbnb. And so I stuck around downtown for a little while because, oddly enough, one of the skateboarders that I know in town is, like, a cook and, like, a food runner at the restaurant. And I didn't know that before I went. So, I like, I got there and our waiter and him, the skateboarder, like, brought food out to the table. And I was like, what is going on here? And so uh, he said that he would be getting off pretty soon. So I went to a bar across the street and waited for him and he came over and had a drink with me which was really cool it felt very like like adult you know like going to dinner and like seeing a friend and then being like oh do you want to grab a drink after this and it just like felt I don't know very like like movie like in a cool way so like I went over to the bar and like ordered a drink and was like waiting for him to get off work and then he came over and uh like one of his friends because they all all the cooks and stuff get off at the same time and they all just came over to the bar and one of his friends ordered him a beer and they and he we just hung out for a little while it probably i mean he didn't we didn't like you know go bar hopping all night together we both just got a drink and then he's staying with some friends that live like in mid-city i think and went back with them and uh then i you know i went back to my car and went home and everything and so saturday i get up and i'm like yesterday and i'm like mentally preparing for this like awesome night out with uh, some really good friends and having all this fun and everything and you know having you know kind of like a silly like debaucherous night out in New Orleans and I get up yesterday and Levi the guy who the video guy the parkour guy who I really like he texts me and he's like yeah I've been throwing up like all morning and I was like what (laughs) is going on and so I think, and it wasn't like an alcohol thing because he didn't, he didn't even have a drink at dinner. He had like a little bit of my beer and that was it. But I think he got some kind of food poisoning or something or not, maybe not food poisoning, but like something he ate at the restaurant he suspected did not work well with his system. So he was like, 
I guess just kind of like laying around and feeling really clammy and sick and gross all day yesterday. And then I felt bad because he was sick and of course I don't want him to be sick. And then I didn't really want to go out with his girlfriend and their friends because I know his girlfriend, but I don't know her well enough to be like, yeah, let me go party with you guys. And plus she's like, I think she's like seven or eight years younger than me. Not that that makes a huge difference, but so I was texting him all day yesterday, just kind of asking him, you know, what's going on? How do you feel? What are you guys doing? Are you planning anything? And so they ended up going out and he just stayed at the Airbnb because he was having like some stomach issues and didn't feel very good and felt really gross. So I, I don't remember if he invited me or if I told him or, you know, I let him know like, oh, well, I'm still, you know, if you, if you're up and able, like I could still come over and just hang out for a little while. Cause it's always nice to see you. Cause I don't see him, but once every, maybe like once a month or once every other month or something. And so he of course said yes. And on the way over there, this is like the heartwarming part. And I don't want to toot my horn too much, but on the way over there, I stopped by a grocery store and picked up like a couple of cans of soup for him and some like saltine crackers and some Pepto-Bismol. What a nice friend. (laughs) What a nice friend. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like, it's just like, I don't do this stuff to, for people to like compliment me. Like he is a friend and I care about him and I wanted to make sure that. You're just thinking of him. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, of course. I wanted him to, you know, be okay. And I had asked him if he'd need, if he'd eaten anything. And he said that he hadn't really eaten anything and that Brie, his girlfriend was telling him, um, you know, that he needed to eat and that he just didn't really feel like it and he felt gross. So that kind of prompted the idea of, you know, taking him some soup and crackers over there. So um, I took him some stuff over there and we just ended up kind of hanging out for a little while and just sat around. And um, and he's one of those people that I really like because uh, it's sort of like moving into that adult realm of somebody who you can just sit and talk to and you don't you don't have to be like doing a thing or like playing a video game together or watching a movie or, you know, you can just sit there and it can just be the two of you and you can just talk about things. And I mean, that's kind of a rare thing to have with somebody to just be able to sit there and talk to somebody for a couple of hours and not be doing something or not feel pressured to be doing something or going somewhere or, you know, entertaining the other person. And he's also one of those people where, you can, it's, I feel comfortable being around him, even if we're not talking, like where you can just sort of exist in the same space as the other person. And you don't have to constantly be saying something or constantly be, I don't know, like one upping the other person in conversation or whatever. You can just sit there. And if you talk for a little bit, you talk, if you don't, you don't. And neither of the parties feels pressured to like deliver and to like fill the space with words, I guess. And it's people like that, that I really value being around, but just because of the way I am and he's one of those people. And so I feel really special to know him and to become friends with him since I moved to Louisiana. Um, but I mean, long story short, it ended up being this weekend that I was really looking forward to for like two or three weeks. And I thought we were going to go out and have a lot of fun because despite living in New Orleans, I don't really go out that much. Like I only go downtown to the French Quarter maybe once every few months. And I mean, I've only been, I've lived here for a year and a half and I've only been like drunk in the French Quarter, probably like three or four times since I moved here. So it's not like I'm always going to parties and going out and bar hopping until four in the morning. Like that's a pretty, like I'm happy to drink at home, you know, and just hang out and be here, but I don't really like go out a lot. And so 
I was like, yeah, this weekend's going to be awesome. Like Levi and Brie are coming in town. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to go out and we're going to, you know, do, I don't know, birthday stuff and whatever. And then we ended up going to dinner for one night and then doing, I did nothing, but I mean, seeing Levi was great and I don't want to take anything away from that. Like the weekend was not disappointing in that regard, but it just kind of sucked because I was like looking forward to it for weeks. And then because Levi got sick, like it kind of put a damper on all of Saturday and Saturday night's festivities. And it rained like most of the day yesterday, which sucked too. So like it was raining on and off most of the day. And I was just like, man, this sucks. Even if I had gone out and we had been out at the quarter, like it was, it, it like it, it did the New Orleans thing where, and it might do this in Seattle too, where like, it rains. It'll only rain for like 30 minutes, but it rains so hard that it's like just enough to like soak everything and ruin an evening if you're out, but it won't keep raining, but it's like just enough for it to start and then stop. And then it's like, ugh, well, the night's kind of ruined because everything's wet and gross and soggy now. And that's kind of what it was doing yesterday. So I don't know. It just kind of sucked. I mean, it was great to see Levi and I value seeing him in any capacity but it just sucked because I was like oh yeah it's gonna be a fun weekend and we're gonna go out and then I ended up just taking my sick friend soup to his Airbnb (laughs) well that was awfully nice of you and I know you don't do it for the praise you're just a nice guy which I think is great and doing things for friends just because you want to do something nice for him is really admirable so I salute you in your soup shopping that was awfully nice of you (laughs) and I mean I don't know how it goes for you but I that's kind of my experience in general where it's pretty rare that we will make plans for something that's super exciting and then the plan goes off without a hitch and then we end up having fun and nothing happens. Like, it's usually <laughs> like we make a plan, look forward to it for months, someone gets sick or we get a flat tire or some emergency at work pops up or something happens where it's just like, oh, this thing that we were looking forward to for such a long time ended up being a bust because of XYZ, whatever. Uh, I mean, does that happen to you often? Because it happens to me all the fucking time. Is it, is it pretty rare for you? Um, I don't, I mean, I, I feel like most of the time when I make plans, they tend to go pretty well. I mean, they might not be like dynamite. This was the best day of my life plans or anything, but I mean, most of the plans that I make in new Orleans revolve around like, Oh, I'm driving to Baton Rouge for Saturday to go photograph the parkour dudes or something like that. And usually that goes pretty well. Although one time, I might have talked about this on the show um, whenever there's a guy named Matt who lives in Phoenix. He grew up in New Orleans, but he lives in Phoenix and goes to school there now. He was in town for the first time over Christmas break last year, and I was so excited to go to Baton Rouge and go see him and photograph him and meet him and, you know, watch, see them do parkour and everything. And I got a flat tire on the way to Baton Rouge, and it was like a traumatizing experience because I've changed flat tires before, but it was just like... I was looking forward to going there so much. It's about an hour and a half drive or so. And about halfway there, I get a flat tire. I have to pull over on the side of the highway, change it on a little donut tire onto the car, drive to a tire shop. And I wasted the entire day waiting for them to put the new tire on. And of course, the shop I went to didn't have the tire. So they had to have someone drive from there and go pick up a tire and bring it back to the shop. And Basically, by the time I ended up getting to Baton Rouge, I wasn't really able to. I mean, it was nice to see everyone. It's always nice to see everyone, but I wasn't able to like really shoot parkour because like the sun was going down and it was like a big fucking mess. But luckily, most of the time, plans seem to work. But I also don't make big plans with people often, so maybe that helps. Like if I were making plans every weekend and it fell through like every other weekend, that might be shitty. But I only do big things like maybe 
uh, once every other month or something, and most of the time it works, but every once in a while, um, shit goes awry. Well, that's good. That's good. We do. We don't make a lot of big plans often, but it's just I, I feel like we're batting like maybe 50 50 where when we make a big plan, like it's going to be like, oh, there's a lot, you know, unless we're making a plan for like that day where it's like, oh, put on your clothes. We're going right now. Like if it's like a week, <laughs> two weeks, a month out, it's always like, man, the potential for something to get screwy is messed up. I mean, for example, um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but you, you reminded me like so this weekend is the Portland Retro, Portland Retro Game Expo literally going on right now in portland and that is one of the my favorite shows of the year like i look forward to going to the show every year i think i've gone the whole family has gone to it several years in a row like we love the show it's so fun yeah and you always bring us updates to the show about it totally, and totally. i take it this is going to be a bad story you're about to tell i mean not a bad story <laughs> but it's just like you know so this is one case where we've been planning this trip since since last year so like at the end of last year's retro game expo we're like all right cool we'll make plans for next year we're gonna do it again woohoo and um, we just, you know, everybody got sick. I was feeling mm. not great. Gina got like the worst flu she's like ever had. I mean, it was like devastating. My son was really sick for like two weeks. He's still not 100% better. And so I'm like, you know, it would just be a mistake for us to drive down there because we would, the drive would be exhausting. We wouldn't be energetic enough to cover the floor. We would just feel terrible. And then, and then we wouldn't even be at home to have all the comforts of home. Like we would be like in a hotel room where, you don't have your favorite food. You don't have your favorite blanket. It's not the right temperature or whatever. And so we're like, ah, fuck it. Whatever. We're not going to go. So we canceled. And ultimately, I think that was the best decision because everybody is still not feeling great. So it would have been miserable if we'd gone. But yeah, that's just another example of like, ah, you know, that was a plan that we had and just something, something came up. So I think we missed one other show earlier this year, too. I think I like to go to the, um, there's a real big pinball show that happens in Tacoma, Washington, which is just about half an hour south of Seattle. Uh, and I think that something came up during that show as well, so we ended up not going to that one either. And I love that show, too. That show is a great show. I mean, I'm not the world's biggest pinball fan, but I do enjoy pinball. And it's fucking amazing to go to, like, see all of these, like, this huge room full of, like, you know, decades worth of pinball machines that are all set to free play. It's kind of like a dream come true. So, anyway, plans don't usually work out like that for us but i salute you sir for your suit bringing and i have to say kind of off topic when you said that your friend was a cook and a food runner i totally had this idea in my head of like him i don't even know who you're talking about of course this is just me you know fantasizing but like some dude some ripped dude in his shorts holding like a plate of like takeout chinese like hurtling over stuff and like running on top of cars and like doing parkour across the city to bring someone's food to them like in a in an expedient manner is that what he does is he do parkour and bring food uh, he does not. He is in the skateboard crowd, so he's not a parkour athlete. But he he. This is more of like a like a downtown city. Well, this is gonna. I swear, I don't mean this to sound as bad as it's going to sound. But I think you'll understand what I mean when I say it. It's more of like a restaurant in the city. We hire anyone, even if they like <laughs> don't have you know like a resume or something and that yes. sounds awful <laughs> but like he was telling me about how one of the cooks in the in the kitchen with him at the restaurant is like a drug dealer and was claiming that like he could get you any drug you wanted so and which is it's just so funny to me because i don't know if i was so naive up until like a few years ago but i mean i feel like a lot of i've heard sto so many stories over the years about like dishwashers or cooks in restaurants where 
you know, they are a drug dealers or they come to work and they're high on marijuana every time they're working or something like that. And it's just weird to think that like you're sitting in maybe a New Orleans restaurant that has live music that's sort of known in the city and then everyone that's in the back room that's not a server or maybe even the servers are too, I don't know, are like, I don't know, strung out on something while they're helping you or something like that. So uh, yeah, it's more of that group. Although I would not put it past him. I bet that he would skateboard takeout across the city for people. He would probably do that. Um, And he's like tall. Like I forgot how tall he was until I saw him because I've only seen him a few times at the skate park. He's not like a good friend of mine. Um, But we text message sometimes. So I guess we're on that level. But God, he's probably like 6'1 or 6'2. And so like standing next to him, I was just like, oh God, like this guy is a very tall man. Um, But I bet he would like jump on a skateboard and, uh, you know, skate across downtown to take people food. But that's not really part of his job. That would be cool. That would be cool. Well, (laughs) you kind of made me laugh because like you're saying that the cook is like a drug dealer. So he can get you any drug he wants and he cooks a mean BLT. So he's got you covered on both ends, right? Like he gets you high, you get the munchies or whatever. And then he cooks your food afterwards. That's like a pretty much all-in-one. <laughs> it's I funny, guess. though, you you mentioned that because I have, I've done not much in the food service industry. Uh, but I have some friends who are, and I think Gina's brother used to be. And, I mean, you kind of hear tell, uh, like, when you dig into it. I mean, I'm not speaking with authority here, but I've heard many stories and, and much whispering about, oh, if you work in the food service industry, you're all about hooking up and getting high and getting drunk because that's like what everybody does after hours. And there's uh, apparently a lot of debauchery and a lot of partying that goes down because <laughs> probably because working in the food industry is such a terrible fucking job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably. And, you know, you probably also have a lot more access to like, you know, food and alcohol and stuff because you're serving it. And it's probably pretty easy to, you know, oh, I, somebody ordered two drinks and I poured three. Oops, I guess. Well, I also have to, can't let it go to waste. Right. Or, you know. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's kind of a place to go if you want to party down. So anyway, switching tracks, uh, I have some stuff on my plate to share. I have one big thing and I have two small entertainment based things. What would you like to hear first? Um, how about you do you divide it up and do a small entertainment, the big one, and then a small entertainment. It'll be like an appetizer and then dessert. Okay, cool. So the first thing, I don't have much to say on this, but you, I'm sure you remember how infatuated I was with uh, the Miss Fisher show. I love that show. Do you remember that? Yeah, because they, are you going to come back and report that they crowdfunded the movie and it has a release date or something? Almost. They did crowdfund the movie, 100%, and I was going to say they started filming, and I'm so Uh, overjoyed because I got to be honest with you, dude. Okay, so backing up, people who, I mean, I'm sure that the regular listeners know, but if you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, thank you for listening this far into the show because now we're like a deep in uh, at least an hour because <laughs> we've already you've heard the whole show. We haven't recorded yet, but you've heard it anyway. Getting off track. So I love Miss Fisher, the Miss Fisher mysteries. I, I I can't even describe to you how much I love that show because it's a detective show with this. It's like in the twenties with a woman who was like a millionaire and she's like liberated and she's like this badass bitch and she takes no shit and she's <laughs> solving crimes sleeps with whoever she wants and she's not fucking sorry about it and she's just so fucking cool she's super stylish she's got a, a cast of um supporting actors who are very cool there's like a uh you know detective who like who loves her but he's really too much of a gentleman to ever admit it and so they have this kind of like you know love at a distance sort of a thing going on there's this 
bumbling constable that's kind of funny. She's got a little assistant that goes with her. She's got a cool cast. I mean, it's set in Australia, too, which is really weird because you're seeing all sorts of Australian stuff that Americans aren't really exposed to. Love, love that show so hard. Like, it is the best show. Never would have thought it would have been my thing, but once I started watching it, I'm like, this is the best. Anyway, we watched the entire run which I want to say was either three or four seasons. I can't recall. And I was like heartbroken when it was over because there was no more. There was literally no more. What am I going to do? <laughs> and it just so happened that at the time, I, I mean, just like, like cosmic timing, right? So like I had heard about the show for a long time. I'd even heard about the books. Uh, but it just so happened that when I finally got around to watching the show and when I finished it, like, like almost to the day, that was when the people who made the show announced they were doing a Kickstarter for a movie. And I'm like, oh, my God, I literally just watched the whole show. And now that I want more, like the next day, they're announcing a Kickstarter. Holy shit. Yes, I'm throwing money at this. Absolutely. 100 percent. So I was really concerned, though, because they had all sorts of that shit that happens with Kickstarter. Right. So it's like, hey, we're going to make a movie. But. We're going to have like all these fucking stretch goals and we're going to have all these different membership levels and we're going to be making all these tchotchkes. So like to get you to give us money and we're going to make candles and we're making scented lotion and we're going to make these, you know, scarves and we're making. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, you guys are like you're putting so much on your plate. Like there's too much happening here. Like just just make the movie. Right. Just make the movie. Get the (laughs) get the actors back. Fund what you need to fund. But like don't get all caught up in the back of rewards and stuff like that, because that's where a lot of people go awry. They. They overpromise, underdeliver. People get pissed, you know, withdraw their pledges or whatever. Like it's just like a mess. So I thought they were going down that path because that was maybe like a year or a year and a half ago, maybe that they announced that. And I'm like, I have heard nothing about it. I mean, I'd get an email once in a while. Hey, your candles are ready. Hey, your scarves are ready. We're sending those out. And I'm like, oh my god, fuck off with the stuff. Like make the goddamn movie, you know? Like, so I was getting really, 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 really concerned. Uh, but I just got an email, I want to say earlier this week, and they're like, hey, we're in Morocco. We're literally filming. Here's a couple shots from the set. Here's all the actors that we've got on board that we're filming right now. Good times. It's actually happening. And I'm like, oh, my God, yes. Thank God it's actually happening. I was really, really worried. But <laughs> Miss Fisher movie, it's called Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears. It's filming in Morocco right now. They've got all, almost all the entire cast is back. New people. It's going to be a feature-length film. I don't. I think they might release it theatrically on Australia, and I think it's probably going to go direct to video elsewhere in the world, which is probably a smart idea, since I don't think there's a very big crowd for Miss Fisher. I mean, big enough to crowdfund it, but not, you know, she's not, like, that well-known, I don't think. But anyway, I breathed this huge sigh of relief, and I was just, like, overjoyed to see that this movie was going to happen, because I need I need more Miss Fisher. I love that show. Me and my wife uh, binged the whole thing together, and it was just, like, the best time, us sitting on the couch watching that show and just, like, uh, commenting on it trying to figure out the mysteries and just like, it just is the best. I love that show so much. Good. I'm happy. I was concerned for a bit that you were just going to get your backer scarves and the movie was never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I'm not a true fan since I only contributed. I didn't contribute to any of the bullshit levels. I was just like, here's like 20 bucks or something. Like you had to like, you had to kick in like a lot to get that stuff. And I'm like, as much as I would have loved to do and done that, if I had rich, if I was rich, maybe I would have done that. But you know, like the upper reward was like, Fly out to Australia, live with us for a week, have dinner oh, with the cast Jesus. and crew. You'll be an extra. Like it was like totally like, I mean it was like it was like a hundred. It was like if you donated like a hundred thousand dollars, like you get like live with the with the crew for like a week or something like that. Um, Holy shit! So it was it was nuts. Like it was something along those lines where 
and then it, it kind of went down from there. So I didn't even I didn't even qualify for like the scarf. I didn't even qualify for like the pen or anything. But it was like, <laughs> you know, I gave them as much as I could, and that's all I could afford. So whatever. But I'm looking forward to the show. Very very stoked. Now you have not seen it yet, have you? I haven't. I remember you talking about it because uh, you've brought it up several times. It's been a long time, but you brought it up a lot uh, in banter on previous shows. Um, I I don't know. Maybe I should check it out. Patrick and I just finished because we don't really watch. I'm not. I mean, I've said this a hundred times on the show. I'm not super into TV, and I like shows that are 20 minute shows or 25 minute shows, so I can watch them while I'm eating dinner. And then that's it. And because I'm one of those people where I pretend like a 45 minute or hour long show is just too much of a time commitment, but I'll sit down and watch three 20 minute episodes and then I'm in one sitting and that's fine. Like I, I have commitment issues about TV episodes, but um, Patrick and I just finished all of Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Hulu okay, and we're okay. kind of like in limbo maybe looking for something new to watch so maybe we'll watch this like maybe? like watch the first two episodes you don't have to sign up for the whole thing maybe it's not your jam um, you know maybe it is maybe it's not but i i loved it just watch the first two and if you're not in by the first two then you feel free to quit and no no harm no foul but uh, i think <laughs> the first one's a little bit rough i think by the second one they got kind of in and then they just kind of gets better from there so there you All go. Right. That is the first one. Okay, so moving on, I will give you my big news. Uh, so we're the big thing is we're going through like this major kind of like life rearranging right now. I can't talk about any details or anything, but um, a really cool opportunity came down the pipe for Gina, my wife, and we decided that we were going to go for it. Uh, so um, we're going to be switching things up. I've been the main breadwinner for like the last probably like nine or ten years or so. And that's been totally fine. We kind of settled into our traditional, um, you know, like the, the usual woman stays home, cooks the food. And that's I'm not downplaying that at all. I mean, that's a, a tremendous job. I mean, she does like an amazing job. She's so busy, has taken such good care of me and cooks wonderful food, raised our son, uh, you know, magnificently. And I've been the guy who like just gets up. I drink the coffee. I eat the food she puts in front of me and go to work, earn the money, come back home. Traditional. Traditional, traditional. But I will tell you, sir, that that has not really always been my dream because uh, ever since I was a kid, and I think I may have mentioned this before on the show, but ever since I was a kid, you know, like when you're a kid, people are like, oh, Billy, what do you want to be? And he's like, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a police officer. I mean, maybe not so much these days, but back in the day, uh, you know, I want to be, uh, I don't know, whatever, like, you know, something, something, something. Um, but whenever people ask me that, I would always say, like, I wanted to be a dad. Like, that was like my only response. And... You know, I understood that I would have to work and, you know, all the things that come along with life. But, like, that was really the only thing that I really just wanted to do. Like, that was kind of, like, my heart's desire. So I've always kind of in the back of my mind been like, oh, you know, I really, you know, if I ever had the chance to be, like, the Mr. Mom at home, like, I would totally go for that, like, in a big way. And it just hasn't really come through. But now that Gina has this amazing opportunity and she's going for it, like, she will assume the role of the main breadwinner. And I will get to be in my high heels and apron and run around the house and <laughs> oh cooking gosh. food for her and taking care of the fam. And I'm so thrilled. It's happening pretty soon. Um, oh, I might have more details later. Maybe I won't, but this is really the gist of it. But I'm super stoked. Going to like be doing grocery shopping. I'm going to cook dinner. Going to clean the house. Going to take the son. We're going to do father-son stuff, going to take care of the wife when she gets back, serve her up a hot plate of food and all that stuff. So I'm really thrilled. I'm really excited that, um, you know, it's kind of been like a lifelong kind of like dream of sorts. 
Uh, and, you know, it, it's just a, through happenstance and good luck and my wife's dedication to what she does <laughs> and her hard work and her skill that this is even possible. So uh, I'm super excited. Gonna, uh, I started um, rearranging my work schedule so that, like, some of the contracts that I've had, like, um, for interpreting, I've kind of given back and said, oh, you know, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm moving on to my next phase of life and all this stuff. I'll still do a little bit of work here and there because I have a couple really... Um, cool places that I work and places that I've had a really long relationship for. Like this one, this one place that I work at, I've been, um, their main go-to employee for like probably like 12 or 13 years. And so I'm keeping that one because we have a real good relationship and I will still be doing, um, Romeo and Juliet, uh, for the act theater next year in February. Uh, but other than that, other than that, I'm gonna just be like staying home and doing the kitchen and cleaning up and doing laundry. And I'm fucking thrilled i am so excited i just can't even wait so big big changes are afoot sir this is thrilling and also the entire time you're talking about this the only thing i can think about is as soon as we press the stop record button you better fucking tell me all the details about this so that i can really know what's going on i know you probably don't want to tell the listeners but because it's not really their business per se. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, ha- I have to know what's of going course, on. So of course, tell me of course, of course. Absolutely. Once we hit the stop <laughs> button, sorry to keep you in the dark, listeners, but it's not something I talk about on the open channel. But yes, I'll fill you in once we uh, go behind the curtain here for sure. So I'm really thrilled. Looking forward to it. Uh, I- I'm incredibly grateful uh, to my wife because I think that she is really brave, and um, I mean, it's really exciting for her to go back and to take on this 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 wonderful opportunity. I think it's going to be a big challenge, but I think she's totally up to it. She's going to do a great job. I'm really excited to support her, and I'm grateful for her for doing that. And it's going to be, it's going to be good times. I'm very, very, very excited. So, very much looking forward to it. Excellent. Oh my gosh, I'm really excited for both of you, and I can't wait to hear more details about it later. So, you know, the number one takeaway from this is that from now on, once this goes into effect. We're going to have to do, like, weekly menu planning, right? So, like, it's going to be a new segment on the show. What's Brad cooked for dinner this week? <laughs> and I'll be like, aha, I found a good taco recipe. Oh, let me tell you about my veggie lasagna. <laughs> I'm already thinking, like, god damn, i got to up my game. Because I, to be honest, okay, full disclosure, full disclosure, went grocery shopping with the son the other day. And this was my first, like, okay, I'm kind of in charge. Not yet, but kind of in charge of the household. So I'm going to go grocery shopping. Totally fucked it up. Didn't buy enough food. Didn't, <laughs> didn't get the right things. I made two good dinners and that was fine. But I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I got nothing else to make. So, okay, we got to I got to recalibrate my settings. I got to start thinking about grocery shopping in a slightly different way. So, uh, Rocky start. We're going to patch that up real quick. We're going to keep moving ahead. It's going to be good. It's going to be fine. So, <laughs> if you have any good recipes, by the way, send them my way. Uh, I have, I tend to be very constant with my recipes. Like I make stuffed peppers a lot and I will just make like eight of them in one go and eat them for the entire week. I'm not like, a. I guess I think about those kind of, I, w- I want to say crazy, but it's not crazy. It's actually smart and uh, well-planned, but I, because I'm sort of run in, even though I'm not athletic, athletic communities here because of parkour and um, the skateboarders and like the Ninja Warrior dudes that I know, um, they some of them do like the really intense meal planning where they will cook like ten or fifteen chicken breasts like every Sunday and make their rice and make their veggies and they'll put like their Tupperware containers and they'll post pictures on Instagram where they have like you know their twenty Tupperware yeah, containers on their counter yeah, yeah, and yeah, they, so yeah. they have everything prepped for the entire week. Um, 
I don't go that mad with it. I just make like eight stuffed peppers and I have some rice that I make on the side and then I'll come home and eat one because I don't really have a problem. It takes me a really, if it's something I like eating, it takes me a really long time to get tired of it. So I could make stuffed peppers and eat them for lunch and dinner for probably most, like maybe five days a week and be pretty fine with that. You know, obviously maybe going out to eat, you know, once or twice during the week would kind of set me back and that'd be fine and, uh, you know, kind of get me, I don't know, get my taste buds something a little bit different. It would reset your pepper meter. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, but that's like my go-to is usually stuffed peppers. And usually I make them with like the fake meat crumbles. So oh, yeah, those are good. Yeah. Yeah. I do like try to do vegetarian. Like I'm not full on vegetarian. Um, although I've been considering going back to vegetarianism because, um, because you know, climate change, the world's going to end in 40 years and the food and meat industry is like one of the biggest contributors to global warming, uh, or so I've read on the internet, which means it has to be true. So <laughs> if everybody in the world became vegetarians overnight, I think, I don't think that that would like fix the planet, but I think it would help a lot. So, um, I've considered going back to vegetarianism for, I don't know, so I can say I'm doing something about trying to help the environment, but I do try to eat, uh, not meat as much as I can, but I'm not vegetarian. Interesting you say that because we are not vegetarians either. And I actually have to kind of recalibrate my menu planning as well. I kind of left, I left the vegetables out of it. That was a mistake. (laughs) But, um, you know, we do eat a lot of like, we have many meals where we just don't have any meat. And it's not because we're like, I mean, I I totally admire your ecological thinking when it comes to that. And I salute you for that, but I got to admit, it just, it doesn't come into my mind that often when I think about food in that way, uh, but we have many meals, and I, I suspect that we probably eat a lot less meat than most people do. I mean, not, of course, like, compared to vegetarians or vegans or anything. But, like, if you just take your average, you know, average family in America, I my guess is that they probably eat a lot more meat than we do. So we don't have meat with every meal. We don't have meat every night. Like, we don't have a big steak. That I mean, like, we you know, we'll have just, like, pasta, or we'll have some kind of, like, you know, like I said, veggie lasagna or something or maybe there'll be like a little bit of chicken in it, but not, you know, we don't have like these like really meat centric meals. Like that's not really how we eat. So I haven't really done a lot of comparison, but when talking to people in general and just like what you pick up in conversation, it seems like we probably eat a lot less meat than most, most people do, especially uh, when compared to my friend Mikey on Twitter, pass them sticks. Do you follow him on Twitter? Mm, yeah, I know who he is. Man, carnivore, dude. Like, every time I bust out a vegetable, he's like, what is that? And I'm like, what do you mean, what's that? It's a vegetable. What's a vegetable? I'm like, get out of here, man. Like, he is Mr. Meat. So every time I cook a dinner, it is always, the, like, literally, the like, you remember that story I told you about them playing clock tower and, like, the elevator scarring me? Like, every time I get in an elevator, remember that story? <laughs> yes, of course Mikey I do. Has, Mikey has scarred me in the same way. Like, whenever I make a meal, I, cook, I put the food on the plate and I look at it. And I'm like, well, do Mikey like this? And the answer is, like, 99% no. So, like, every time I make something, I'm like, he's not going to like this. Like, like it matters. Like, he's here. Yeah, like, he's going to eat my who food, cares? right? Who it cares? It doesn't matter at all. But I still think about it every fucking time. Is he going to like this? He will not like this. And then I was supposed to picture, and I put it on Twitter, and I'm like, and I wait. Because I feel like he, he responds, like, like most of the time. And then he'll always come back with, like, ah, what's that? And I'm like, ah, damn it. He didn't like that one either. So... <laughs> Well, he's not the one eating it, so it doesn't matter. Very true. Very and true. And he's the one who's causing us to, uh, causing global warming to maximize, and he's heavily contributing to us dying faster, so you can look at it that way. It's basically all his fault. It's, <laughs> it's that one guy. I wish he's he was single handedly making the earth burn. <laughs> if Mikey stopped eating meat, we would all survive <laughs> for another 20 years. <laughs> 
what was I going Okay, anyway, so wrapping up with that, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the final thing that I was going to throw out for um, banter was getting back to TV. Uh, my wife, like I said, she was sick for like the last week or two weeks, and so she's been um, catching up on shows and everything. And she came across something that was on Netflix, which I have not seen as much of it as she has, but I did watch a couple episodes, and I thought it was really cool. It's called um, it's called Adam Ruins Everything. Have you seen that? I have not. I didn't even hear about it until the wife found it, but I'm glad she found it because it was pretty neat. Um, so this guy comes on the show. I guess he's somebody. I don't know who he is. He His name's like Adam Conover or something. I, I didn't know who he was before the show, so maybe, maybe people listening know who he is, but... Um, he's a real funny guy. He reminds me a lot of Alton Brown from Good Eats. Have you ever seen Good Eats? Mm, oh, is that the scientific food channel? Yes, yes, yes. He likes like, yeah. lots of props and jokes, and he talks about the science of food. So you know the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is exactly that show, but he talks about things other than food. So, like, he will... He has one topic per episode. Uh, we watched, I think, the Prisons episode, where he talk, He like debunks a lot of myths about prisons and about how... The prison industrial complex is really like ruining people and ruining America. And there was uh, a drug show where they talked about myths about drugs and how, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is the nation's biggest drug pusher. And, you know, like like stuff that he takes these these myths and sayings and kind of truthisms that people kind of think are the gospel. And then he kind of unpacks them in a fun way where it's it's jokes. And, he you know, he has funny things, funny skits and everything. But it's also a new way of looking at this information that people have just kind of taken for granted the whole time. Uh, but you will definitely laugh. You will definitely be, you know, tickled by the stuff that he's doing. But it's also, I think, really cool. Um, I think that uh, a lot of the stuff he brings up is good information in general. And so to see somebody really talk about things in an honest, straightforward and, hey, wait a minute, what about this perspective sort of a way is really valuable. So um, I haven't watched, I think I've only seen three or four episodes of it. I watched a couple with the son and I watched a couple with the wife. But she's seen, I think, basically the whole series. And she said it was really good. So kudos to the wife for finding that i definitely want to watch some more of that and i would recommend that anybody listening if you're listening to this show and especially if you're listening to this banter you probably are the exact kind of person who would really enjoy this show <laughs> uh so called adam ruins everything that is available on netflix right now so that's all i had to bring for banter you got any any last minute things you want to bring up uh i don't think so my weekend plans gone south is pretty much uh I don't know, the most important thing that's probably happened to me lately. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, let's wrap it up. And we have um, a lot of stuff to talk about. We have many games to cover. We should probably get to the games. What do you say? I can get behind that plan. All right, let's talk about some games. (laughs) 